in five, four, three, two, one. Obi Trice, real name, no gimmicks. Who are you? He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. That's what I'm talking about, man. Wait a minute, I know you. Check out the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. Yeah, I know that, dude. He's a modern-day Yoda. I'm your huckleberry. Allow myself to introduce myself. Greetings and salutations. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. You're excited. Feel these nipples. That boy is good. Mm -hmm. Good and terrible. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Sportos, motorheads, geek bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. <laughs> Welcome in, everybody. It is Thursday, July 27th. Happy birthday, Mom. This is the Mike Rutherford Show coming to you, as always, from the University of Louisville College of Business Studios here in Jeffersonville, Indiana. Visit business.louisville.edu to see what the UofL College of Business can do for you, including getting your MBA in just 12 months. Business.louisville.edu. We're on the air today from 3 until 6 here on 1450 AM, 96.1 FM, streaming all over the land. You know it's better as the big X. Mike Rutherford here with Trevor Kelsey on a scorching hot Thursday. I don't think you and I, we, we, we both stepped out of our cars. We're like, oh, God. It felt like uh, the, the old uh, Will Ferrell skit where he's born as a full-born man. And he's like, it was hot in there. That's how I feel every time I walk outside right now. It's just I, I felt more like uh, Ace Ventura, too, when he's coming out of the rhino. It's, it's I think it's the same thing, <laughs> yeah. basically. It's, uh, it's the... It's only, part of that whole movie, by the way. It's only going to get worse tomorrow, too. Apparently, oh. it's going to be ungodly hot, and I'm I'm a little worried about myself on Saturday at the uh, the, the homies Jack Harlow kickball yeah. uh, tournament going on. It's going to be a little scorching out there, Jim Patterson. Thankfully, I won't have to move that much, so I'll let the the kickball players. Do you get a chair? I would like a chair. You should get a stool. I don't. I didn't. Have he ever offered here. you a stool or a chair to sit in? I'm afraid they'd get fired. I'm afraid I'd get fired. <laughs> you would fall asleep and get robbed. By the way, tickets available for that uh, still on sale now. I, again, one o'clock I think is when it starts. Five thirty, the championship match. So come out. <laughs> Send to be about the random times. See some celebrities. <laughs> well, one o'clock if you want to be there. But Jump on Friday. <laughs> if you just want to see the championship match for some reason and not get your money's worth, then five thirty is just trying to give you a you know, bullet point of time. Uh, today, lots to get to. We are finally going to talk about. The Liberty Bowl, the 1993 Liberty Bowl. Your, your, 30 years. Your homework assignment from a couple weeks ago. Well, gave people some extra time. Four o'clock hour, Trevor and I will discuss. I've got some notes here, and we'll, we want to hear from you, your thoughts on the game on the, on the Thornton's text line. I didn't take notes. I just took mental notes. Well, hopefully those mental notes hold up better than they usually do. We've got uh, TBT tonight. We'll, we'll discuss the, the matchup between the Ville and the Jackson, Tennessee underdogs featuring one Chris Jones, former U of L point guard. I've got a, a fun college basketball story, at least fun to me, that I want to get to, and we'll run through that. And then uh, some odds and ends, some little stuff that's out there. Also, we just found this out a couple hours ago. Tomorrow, Kenny Payne's going to talk to the media. Dum, dum, dum. Noon 
Eastern time, Kenny Payne. We already talked to Seth Greenberg. With him, well, that was John Rothstein, actually. <laughs> well, well, no, I'm talking oh, about. Yeah, uh, time, gotcha. right, well, I forgot. I forgot about Rothstein. Yeah, he will meet with the media noon tomorrow to give a summer update, talk about the uh, the team, the conditioning, offseason workouts, and then take some questions from the media. I'm assuming we'll get an update on Tyler Johnson's status. I think. Ho- I mean, hopefully, we'll have something definitive. I think I I know what that's going to be. Will Will we hear the word character at least five times? What's the What do you put the character over under at? How many players is he gonna talk about? Yeah. <laughs> I'm putting the over under it, like just saying the word character. Just saying the word character in any context. I'll say I'll put I'll put the over under three and a half. I was exactly I was gonna say the exact same. Thing. Okay, three and a half. I'm gonna take the under. I'm gonna say he said. Ooh, it three wow. Times. I'm gonna say he says it three times. That's not a very character. Characteristic thing of him. Well, maybe the summer hadn't gone well. I don't know. <laughs> if he doesn't say it over three times, we may be even more worried, right? It's a good time for him to do this press <laughs> conference. I mean, you've got school starting in just a, a couple of weeks. It's the last week of July now. Uh, you've got the you – know, people are on a high right now with this TBT, if, especially if they win tonight. They'll be getting ready for Saturday. You're gonna have, you know, people are going to be in good moods. They're, they'll be more receptive to what you have to say. <laughs> I, I, I still – I can't find myself like – because you and I have been saying – since March, basically, like we, we want to hear from Kenny Payne. We want you to lay out your your vision for how this is going to get better. When you only win four games, you need to comfort the fan base, reinforce the notion that you are the guy, you're the person who can get this done. And you know we need some. We want to hear how this is going to happen because Lord knows we didn't see it in year one. And the only time that he's really talked outside of the the in game interview on Thursday night was on John Rothstein's podcast. So we've been saying, you know, we want to hear him, we want to hear from him. But then every time he talks, everyone just gets all pissed off, myself included. So I'm not sure. Like, I, I, I guess I want this. I do want to hear some definitive answers on Tyler Johnson and his status. I want to hear what he has to say about the guys who've been practicing this summer, how they've looked. I, I, I want to hear him, you know, hopefully get some questions about are you doing anything differently now than you were last year because last year went so poorly. But – I also don't want to get mad at some of the answers. I feel like that's not fair either. If he if he does the same thing that he did on Rothstein's podcast, where it's like, "Yeah, last year was unavoidable," and you know, basically implying that it's all the kids. Like, you know, I don't. People are just going to get upset, and we're going to have a whole day of infighting. But uh, it, it's 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 content for us. We'll have that to react to tomorrow. So that's exciting. Mm, which, which one do you want? Do you, you you can't cake any team. I know you're, you're exactly right. <laughs> I, I I want to hear him talk. But I want, I want him – is it too much to ask that I want him to talk and say exactly what I want him to say? <laughs> what well, I mean – Am I asking too much? Just, just send him a memo. Like, just read this. Here are my talking Like points. Ryan Leap apologizing to the media. It's like, if you could really hit on sentences one and three very hard, it would make me very happy. It would make my radio show a lot more pleasant. His, his, players, his player reveal statements have been – didn't make you too mad. No, they've been great. Yeah, I mean, most it was mostly laugh. Outside but, of the Cron Davis one. He's, he's, he's an ACC skill set. That be Mike, Rutherford, uh, Mike Rutherford Show, Big X Radio. Uh, you didn't the include, X. You didn't include <laughs> the word character in Cron Davis's press release. Is there anything to that? Is he? Would you not characterize him as a high-character warrior? I mean, what would you give me to go to a pre- one, one of his like weekly press conferences and ask him that? I, at least $25. At least to do a GoFundMe on it. At least $25. Uh, TK, how are you doing on this Thursday? You, you were a little riled up yesterday. You calmed down a little bit. You're feeling good. You're feeling calm. How, how, was, your thir- how was your Wednesday evening? It was AEW night. I know that had to help. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a good AEW night, too. Uh, Orange had a great match against AR Fox. Uh, then AR turned heel on him and attacked him from behind like a loser. Did he win? Uh, Orange did, yes. Okay, good. But then John Moxley attacked Orange Cassidy. 
Oh my God. Yeah, and then it's in paper. <laughs> and then what? Because <laughs> Mox is a big deal, right? He's the, he always Ma- he is. And, uh, what, what happened was on Friday they had a Ring of Honor pay per view, and I guess there was uh, some of his his uh, Blackpool Combat Club guys were in it, which was Claudio and and Orange. I guess hit hit one of them with an orange punch, and he didn't like that, so he came and uh, def- did the death driver on him. Did he hit Claudio? Uh, he he did hit Claudio on Friday. Uh, yeah, don't you yeah. don't hit Claudio. You, you don't hit Claudio. Claudio's my man. When I have a wrestling, when I have your wrestling shirt, you know I'm your fan. Uh, and then uh, the, the pay per view was I mean, my pay per view, but the main event was solid. Good uh, tri- triple threat tag team between best friends, Lucha Brothers, and Blackpool Combat Club. Seems like they had a lot of faces uh, wrestling against each other last night. If if uh, if what's his name turned heel on. Orange, because Orange is a face, right? Orange is a face. AR, AR, AR turned heel, and he joined Swerve Strickland. And they're probably going to be tagging up against uh, uh, um, Darby Allen and the uh, 18-year-old sensation Nick Wayne, as they like to call him. Swerve Strickland's a great name. Swerve Strickland's a great wrestler. Could definitely be a good porn name. It's, it would be. Yeah. Uh, I wish he'd get a little bit more of a push than he does, because he is very entertaining to me. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. But, he, uh, yeah, it was, it was all, all no. Good. We had some... We had some you know, interaction between Jericho and his will he will he not join the Don Callis family? Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho he still wrestles. Still wrestles. I wasn't sure he was alive. When yeah, he's he's name, alive. He's probably in better shape than both of us combined. Which oh, yeah, I, I, I probably all. If he is alive, then I assume he's in better yeah, shape. Yeah, he's than both st- of us. he still wrestles. He, yeah, he's break the walls st- down. Still tours with uh, the band as well. So all right, he's I didn't, doing, didn't know he had a band. Yeah, he, he, I've played their song before, Fozzie on here. They've played it locally, locally. Every now and then, like if I'm just looking at a YouTube rabbit hole, I will go back and watch the pop that he got from his debut with and, the Rock. With Y two, no, when he did it, he, when they announced him for the first time at Y two. Yeah, with with the Rock. And yeah. He interrupted the rock, yeah. The place just goes nuts. It was yeah. everybody kind of knew it was going to be him because uh, they've been doing that countdown tease which, for a long time. Which is insane because it's like pre really internet days. Yeah. I mean, it was, I guess, early internet days, but yeah, you still had a, you had, you had people in the show, you could see people's signs that said Y2J and stuff, yeah. Or Jericho is Raw, which Raw was, is Jericho. Raw is Jericho because Raw is not, 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 Raw is Nitro, whatever, is, uh, was what he was saying before he left WCW. No. So he was always underrated in WCW. I'm just seeing these. I'm assuming KRC left this over, but they they have the they printed out the Caesar Sportsbook odds for the 2024 College Football Championship winner. So thank you to TJ Walker for the early content here, because I am now seeing Louisville's odds to win the national championship in football are eight thousand plus eight thousand. Kentucky's odds plus twenty thousand. Ooh. Purdue plus thirty thousand. <laughs> That's what happens when you lose the Brom. Western Kentucky. Plus fifty thousand, Indiana plus seventy five thousand. Apologies to Scoots. I don't like how Scoots doesn't even care about IU football. So, I was gonna say when you were out a couple of weeks ago, which annoys and, me, and Scoots was in here. Scoots like not taking like just slamming IU football at every chance he got. Like just I kept trying to like drum up some like you know that that third game like let's talk about I, Louisville no, IU. Like, they're gonna beat us by forty. I'm like Scoots, come on, give me something. I don't know. I mean, I. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess because Louisville, despite you know not being you know the, we're you know the blue blood football program, we've had our nice little moments. But even if we hadn't, I couldn't imagine it's just not like caring anything about the football team, right? Even if I, I mean, and I guess see where IU standards are. If I like you, I'd still be just I'd, hey, I I think I complain about it more than Scoots does. He's not you fan about the 
how they were robbed in 2020 for the uh, Big Ten title that they won. Yeah, I would have been pissed. I mean, I'd still be, I'd still be bitching about that to this day. I'm, I'm still bitching about Carl Sheffers. And, 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 every time I see anything about the Super Bowl, and I'm like, congratulations on stealing it from us, Carl. Can you imagine? I mean, I mean Indiana football fans, I get that they are. I've met a lot of Indiana diehard basketball fans. Yeah. I haven't, the Indiana football fans, they sort of approach it in a snarky, like kind of the way Kentucky fans used to back in the day where it was yeah. like, you know, we, we expect Ooh. to lose, but if we do win, shame on you. Huh? All, all we want is six win, six, uh, two, uh, like two bowls out of every three years maybe. Win or lose, or, we still booze. Like that's the, you know, the, that's the mentality. Yeah, I <laughs> like that. If you had Kentucky or Louisville fans, in the exact same situation that IU was in that COVID year, where they rearranged the rule book so Ohio State could win the Big Ten. Yeah, at the last minute. Like, we would have been impossible to deal with. <laughs> Still to, to right now. We would have been complaining about this forever. We would never have let this go. And I feel like IU fans just took it lying down a little bit. Like, well, it's Ohio State's league. What do you expect? I'm like, we would be hanging a banner in our stadium probably, whether you be a saying 2020 Big Ten champion. Kentucky would have made three trophies, three yeah. replica trophies already. They would have made the their conference championship trophy, their bowl game championship trophy from the playoff game, and then their national championship trophy. They have all displayed right there, 2020 national champions. It would been everything Central Florida did on steroids. Exactly. And we would have just <laughs> whined incessantly. At least, I mean, you can, you can say what you want about Central Florida, but, I mean, with Indiana, they legitimately were the Big Ten title champion and got it stolen from them. We would have taken so many selfies in front of the NCAA headquarters. That was it. <laughs> just giving so many middle fingers. That's what we do. I don't know why I just pictured me. I'm just, just like leading the charge like Trump on January. <laughs> Go get, bring, bring me the head of the president. <laughs> They're like, we had nothing to do with this. It's the ACC. You need to go about like, like 300 miles that way. <laughs> well, we're not, we're not thinking like that. Kansas City, here we come. Or is it Indianapolis now? I want Emmert. It's in Indianapolis. I probably would go to Kansas City and move to Indianapolis, hasn't it? <laughs> it has. We be wrong. Everyone back east. <laughs> it's like heading back. <laughs> <laughs> like that South Park episode where they're storming it. Where are we going to next, General? I can see breaking through the door to some poor janitor dude just standing there like mopping. Like, Get Where's Emmert? Dude, this is they moved like four years ago. Damn it! <laughs> You're in your like QAnon shaman outfit like that guy who was. <laughs> Just like a cardinal bird get up though. <laughs> Spiked cardinal bird hair. I just picture what's in that building now. It's like some just like really looking ch- like the road warriors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had that of demolition. Yeah, <laughs> uh, TJ also left behind NFL regular season. I want to test your knowledge here. These are regular season win totals, over unders. Like the for the reg- okay regular season. Okay. For NFL. All right. You are an NFL guy. I try to be. So where do you? Where would you put? We'll start with your beloved Philadelphia Eagles. Where where do you think the over under for wins is set for the Eagles? Oh, it should be 12, 12 and a half. 11 and a half. Okay, there's a little, little light on that one. You got you got to remember, seventeen games now, not sixteen. So that's why that's why yeah. I moved. That's why I did move it up though, actually, because I would have. I was thinking, yeah. Season. Where do you think the over under for my Detroit Lions is? Uh, ten and a half. Nine and a half. Okay. One, one, one I'm like again. one over each time. The reigning Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, they're probably the same as we are, 11 and a half. 11 and a half is correct. Yeah. Nailed it. It's us, us two and insane, like Cincinnati and San Francisco, you're going to be your highest, four highest. I said, where do you think Cincinnati is? I'm, I'll say 11 and a half or 10 and a half. 11 and a half is correct. Yeah. And you are right. San Francisco is also 11 and a half. Yeah, we're, the, we're, the, we're the four kind of givens right now, the four 
pillars, as you would say, in AEW, which hated, scares me a little bit. The hated Dallas Cowboys. What do you think their win total is? Uh, nine and a half. Nine and a half is correct. Yeah. Who do you think is behind, just behind um, Kansas City, the, the quartet that you mentioned at 11 and a half wins? Who do you think has the next? Behind those big four? There, are, there is one team that has, I take it back, there's, well, there's one team that's directly behind you guys. Buffalo. Buffalo's at 10 and a half, and then yeah. one team is at 10. Who do you think that is? Uh, Miami? Jacksonville. Really? Uh, it's not a bad one. That's That's... I worry that, but yeah. Now, with Lamar Jackson back, where do you think the Baltimore Ravens over-under win total is? Eight and a half. Nine and a half. Really? I would have, I'm a little bit more generous than I would have given them. You, you haven't been off by more than one yet. It's pretty impressive. Uh, Tennessee Titans. <laughs> uh, three and a half. Seven and a half. That is a steal, someone. I don't think anybody is. No, the, the Tennessee is not winning seven games. The lowest team. On I, the I know. I know. I know that. I know that conference is not great, but then again, I guess today. I mean, Indianapolis and I think Houston's going to be right. Yeah, it's going to be the lowest number on the board is four and a half wins. Who do you think that belongs to? What? What's the number? Four and a half. Oh, Arizona. Arizona's correct. Yeah, Arizona's a given. To, they're, they're not even expected to even try this year. All right. Last. Uh, the question is now is who trades for Kyler Murray? Last local team here, the Indianapolis Colts. What's the what's their over under? Uh, I'll say six and a half. Six and a half is correct. Well, very well done. Outside of your just dragging of the Tennessee Titans through the mud, your mic is out. Yeah, there we go. Um, I, yeah, I was probably a little too harsh on Tennessee there a little bit, but I think I think that the other she's going to drop, but then when they are going to take a big step back at some point, and I see it this year. That's quite the call. They're making big trades out there. They're acquiring. I mean, the ten- but Tennessee's success over the last few years has been inflated by the fact that the rest of their conference has been so bad. I'm not saying they weren't a good team, but their records were a little bit kind of steroided. Now, we've got uh, we've got TBT tonight. You and I were both sort of on the same page Tuesday night at the very end of the show. Are you going to be okay in there? You guys, guys dying in there. Um, no, I think it, was, it wasn't even like a, it was like a hair like caught my throat or something. You ever had one of those? Oh, teams? yeah, it's a terrible feeling. I hate it. TBT tonight. We, I, I want to talk conference realignment in a second, too. Colorado shaking this whole thing up again. Now, sky's falling again. Colorado's I mean, going back. I hate it so much. I, I hate it so much. But Some, Somebody in a coma is going to wake up and be like, they're going back to, we mean they left the Big 12? Yeah, this, yeah. <laughs> I kind of forgot that they're in the Pac-12. They're, they're one of those teams that just never I, felt right. I mean, why did they even leave? <laughs> Talking about the, the George Costanza. What do you mean I quit? <laughs> Basically. So, Tuesday night at the end of the show, we both were like, hey, we're excited about this TBT thing. We're excited about seeing former UFL players play for them all. But, like, you know, we're not approaching it like a real game. It's not like the nerd, the juices aren't really flowing that much. It's just going to be a fun experience. And, and then we watched the game, and you and I, we both got more into it than I think we were expecting. And I yeah. think that's probably the case with a lot of people. I think you know, there was a whole lot of people saying, a whole lot of statements out there about this is the most fun I've had watching any sort of Louisville basketball in. in four or five years, whatever the case may be. With that being the most recent experience, with that memory still fresh in our minds, how do you approach tonight's game? 8 o'clock, watch ESPN. You can listen to it on uh, either 93.9 or our sister station, 970, WGTK. They'll both have the broadcast. Are you approaching it more? Does it feel more like a an actual L game? Are you more excited about it? Or does it, is it kind of still the same mentality, just like this is just kind of icing on the cake? More excited, but not... Closer to being like a real U of L game, I guess, if that's makes sense. Like I'm, that's how I feel. I'm the same way. Like I like because the first one, listen, the first one, I didn't even like turn it on until closer to halftime because 
Well, one, I, I just ran, I'd run some errands after work and, and you know, moving, getting around by the time I got home and was like, oh, yeah, the game. So, I, you know, I put it on my phone and plopped it on to, to watch because, you know, I had this one, this one, I watched my ESPN Plus stuff. And, but like tonight, with I guess maybe it being helpful being a little later start, I guess, I'll probably be more like I want to get home, get some dinner, and get like ready to watch the game when it comes on. And, you know, I, I, am I going to, like, get mad if we lose? I mean, I'll probably be a little peeved. I mean, I don't like losing in any way, but I, I'm not going to. It's Yeah, it's still not, like, at that level of, like, it's U of L, U of L. You know, like, anytime we've lost in a baseball game or, you know, some of the lesser sports outside of your big th- big two, you know, I still get pissed. Like, but I'm not going to. I'll be upset, but I won't be pissed. That I mean, makes sense. I, I, think, I think the way that you put it at the beginning is, is exactly where I am. I'm more excited than I was for the – the Tuesday night game, but I'm not going like there aren't any nerves or anything like no, that. No. It doesn't feel like an actual game. Like, you know, when I will do radio and then we'll go home to watch Louisville play Duke or whoever. And we're like, Oh, this is going to ruin my, like, if they lose, I'm bummed because I don't get a chance to watch them play again, but that's, it's not like ruining my day. It's not taking anything away from a, you know, like my sports fandom or anything. It's just, it just kind of is what it is. It's sort of like watching, getting ready to watch your your favorite baseball player in the home run derby. Like you know, you you're excited. Hey, Vlad won that, by the way. He did. I called it. Did you a good job? Yeah. I, I didn't even know about it going on until after I saw he won. I was like, Yay, he won! Yay! <laughs> uh, you, want, you want them to win, but if they don't win, it's like, and if they do win, like it's a cool thing, and you're yeah. celebrating and all that stuff. But if they lose, it's, you're like, oh, 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 shucks. We'll see him play again. That's, soon. I've seen a, multiple Blue Jays have that happen to it. Has a Reds won the, a Red one a home run derby? Todd Frazier won at Great American Ballpark. Did he? Nice. Todd Frazier also won the Little League World Series with Tom's Creek. You're not wrong. That's exactly right. I don't know why. I, I remember bringing that up to him when I interviewed him back in like 08. Now, the, the Jackson-Tennessee underdogs team that we're playing, it, it's a group of guys, including Chris Jones, who, who played here for, uh, you know, for, what, a year and a half before he got kicked off the team in February of 2015. It, it's a bunch of guys from that area of Tennessee. Not necessarily played college ba- basketball there, but they're, you know, they grew up in that area. I don't recognize a lot of the names on the team. Like Some of them, uh, you, you've got Jones out there. Cornelius Hudson from Wake Forest. That I, name rings a bell. I remember him. I mean, he wasn't wasn't great, but he was fine. Uh, I remember Jordan Varnado because of his name from from Troy. Um, that one kind of. Uh, Tevin Glass, I do remember, played at Wichita State. He was good. He's he's kind of their big man. He's six foot eight. I don't like Jalen. They have an EKU guy, too. They do. Jalen Barford played at Arkansas. I don't really remember much about him. Mm-hmm. Desante Bradford, don't remember him from ETSU. Dedrick Boyd, name sounds familiar, but I couldn't tell you anything about his game. I mean, the, the problem is is that, like, I see these names, and I go, the kind of rings a bell, but it's probably because, like, I see Tevin Glass, and it probably rings a bell because I'm thinking of George Glass from, like, Brady Bunch. Well, Tevin Glass. Or I, Jordan Bernardo, I'm thinking I'm getting a name mixed up with the, the big guy from Mississippi State who used to block the shots. Tevin Glass, it lists on his bio as Wichita State and East Tennessee State. I'm There was a Tevin Glass that played at Murray State. So either there's two Tevin Glasses out there. I can't imagine. <laughs> I'm, I'm 99.5% sure that there was a Tevin Glass that played at Murray State. And now I'm going to investigate. Yeah, he 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 played at he played at Murray State. Same one. Yeah, he, and then he transferred to uh, he ended up at Wichita State. So he played. I mean, half these guys played at like three different schools. So well, I mean, <laughs> that's why they're the underdog. But I don't understand why he's got two of his schools listed, but he doesn't like like Leland Robinson has his community college and his his two schools listed. Uh, <laughs> I think you can like Dedrick Boyd has three schools listed. I don't know why Tevin Glass just felt the need to to. 
take Murray State out there. I like how Stanbury went to Volunteer State CC. Think we volunteered to go there? Oh man, no! It's Tevin Glass's dad played basketball at Murray State. Am I that old? <laughs> well, this Tevin Glass played at Wichita in fourteen fifteen. Yeah, that's yeah, good lord. Um, yeah, his, his his dad was the one that played at Murray State. Well, even did he play there? I don't know, but recently enough that I remember it. It'll have to be nineties. Well, I mean, this he's if he went to college in. 2014, he'd have been what, born mid 90s. I mean, I mean, I remember Curtis Withers and Jalen's his son. He's he's been in college for four years. Yeah, I mean, he was his dad probably played in the 90s. There, there it yeah. is. Te- Tevin Brown is who I'm thinking of. He was all OVC first team, played at Murray State. Not even the two, same name. Two Tevins, two Tevins with with Murray State ties. Who would have ever thought? Where's Tevin Coleman now? I don't know. That's uh, that, maybe, that's what I was maybe, maybe maybe are we sure we're not talking about Tevin Campbell? I don't know. <laughs> But that's the, the team that we're facing tonight. I feel like we I mean, should win this game. I feel like we should win based on just the rosters alone. Like we have a lot more. If, if you're just looking at it from a standpoint of, hey, I remember that guy. He was pretty good, which is how I, I'm going about evaluating TBT teams. We have a lot more of those guys than you, they do. Are you looking at like their team page? Yes. Look at Darius Dewberry's picture. The I'm G- from, I, he's, he's the GM. Yeah, I know. He's not playing. If he was, I'd feel a lot more confident about it. He reminds me of the guy from old school. Who does he does. He's, he's, he's overweight. There's no question about it. I'm best to go college. Mom, show me the knife. Darius Dewberry. Also, I don't think that he deserves the same winning share as all the players. What a bad picture, though, man. I'm just like. Yeah, it's him laughing and. Yeah, they should have got a different picture. I agree. Like Terrell Green gave it his full-on headshot. Like that's what you need to do. Antoine Long is like somebody like I don't want to mess with. He was six one though. Yeah, he, <laughs> he does look bigger for sure. Yeah, he looks. Yeah, he's got. He's got the the the, the fully shaved with just the the bushy beard. James I, I guess the angle is looks like it makes him look like he looks like he's like six nine or something. But he's only this is six one. Yeah. Um, Let's take our first break. When we come back, I've got a fun basketball story that I want to get to. Oh, I like fun stories. And then we'll hit up the Thornton text line at 502-414-1450 for the first time. Um, Thornton's, again, giving you the best deals all summer long. Download the Refreshing Rewards app to take advantage. It's very easy. Open up your app store on your phone. Type in Thornton's. Download it. Bang. You're a Refreshing Rewards member, and you'll save money at the pump. You'll save money inside anytime you stop into one of the 85,565 area Thornton's locations. Do all that, and then text us at 502 414-1450. We'll take a break. We'll come back. A couple stories for you, and then we'll turn it over to the text line. And then, reminder, 4 o'clock hour, we're talking 93 Liberty Bowl. It's all happening. I promise it's happening here on the Mike Rutherford Show on 1450 The Big What, do you remember the other kind of popular song she had? 
Natalie Merchant, right? Yes, it is. I mean, I remember the 10,000 Maniacs songs. Well, yeah. It was kind of this and a song called Wonder that was really popular. Because then she, because it was 10,000 Maniacs that did the Because of the Night cover, right? That yeah, was, which I never, I did, it was years before I realized that was a cover, too. Oh, me too. Absolutely. Like, it was, uh, now it's like, I can't hear any other version. Um, but yeah, that was uh, Natalie Merchant uh, right after she left. I want to say she was like 17 when she joined the band. Was she really? She was very young, I believe. Might have even been 16. We didn't talk so yesterday. So she was young even when she left. So she was still... She just disappeared. She had like this one album. She, and you never heard it from her again. Y- yesterday we had the short show because the Louisville Bass game ran a little bit long. So we were only, only, only on the air for about an hour and 20 minutes. We didn't get a chance to mention Sinead O'Connor passing. Well, did that happen... I thought I didn't know before we were on the air. Oh, it did okay because yeah. I, I didn't see it till after I went off the air. Yeah, and of course so, so I saw it on Facebook, and the first thing you, is it bad like when you see something like that on Facebook that like and I just seen Facebook even Twitter to a degree. Like the first thing I do is like I Google search to see if it's real or not. Well, yeah, because in this day and age, like, it's yeah you don't you don't know. I mean, the good thing about like. I mean, Twitter or X or whatever, you <laughs> typically, if it comes from like the, the Irish Times, the biggest newspaper in Ireland, broke the story. And so you're, you're, you're okay. assuming if they're saying it, then it's, it's true. But there are times you don't know. Like, I, I think back to when Kobe Bryant died, and the only person that was reporting it was TMZ. And you're, I mean, you know, TMZ, like, they break a lot of this stuff first, but they, they've been wrong before, and you're kind of hoping mm-hmm. they're wrong. And the crazy thing about the Kobe Bryant thing wasn't. There's been an accident, like hearing it could be terrible for Kobe. It was there's been an accident. He's dead. Like that's the fir- the first that anybody had heard that something was wrong was that he was he was dead. That's why it was so shocking. It was so, and you're kind of hoping for conflicting reports out there, and you're not hearing anything from maybe. But if if it is coming from just rando accounts that don't you know the, you know, the some of these made up news organizations like the. The Daily Buzz or whatever. I don't even know if that's a real thing. You're like Buzzfeed. <laughs> like the ones that were saying, you know, J- Jamie Foxx hearing like he's on about to die, showing pictures yeah. of him from a movie. He's paralyzed. Scene. Yeah, like, yeah. Okay. And those are the ones where you're like, I mean, this could be true, I guess, but like I'm not. I'm that's what I say. Usually, if you just do a Google search, and you can it, the you can tell if something's true or not by the, the the initial headlines of who's you know. If the straight dope's running it, opposed to maybe like the New York Times or something. Exactly. Like he's like, okay, I think I may maybe go with the whether you like the writing or not. I think they're probably more true on the on the the, the, the latter than the former. Are, were you? Uh, I mean, I was a little surprised though. Like how the just I don't know, maybe not surprised of the out out. You know, people just so like so sad, but. Just the the approval of the, the the infamous SNL skit that was just being retweeted over and over and over. She ripped up the Pope, which is just crazy because I mean, just remembering how just so hated she was for doing that. And now it's they look back and people are praising her for it. Yeah, I saw a lot of people that were like, you know, she deserved to get defended a little bit more because, and I didn't realize, you know, because. I was a young kid at the oh, time. I was like 10 or 11, yeah. And when it happened, like, I was very much, you know, grumps were telling me that it was a bad thing, and I'm like, yeah, it's, it's a terrible thing. I didn't realize that she had been, so she had been molested when she was young. And, like, it kind of framed her life. She had a really, really rough childhood, and it, it led to her kind of just hatred of, of, of the Catholic Church and the fact that they yeah, <laughs> covered up a, a lot of cases of, of, of molestation, and that's what led her to... to, to be like, hey, let's maybe we should be talking about this a little bit more. Which, in hindsight, we probably should have been, and she definitely got got cast aside. I also I you didn't pronounced realize it molestation. Say what? You pronounced it molestation. Yeah. I don't know. I was thinking just molestate molestation. Well, yeah. Like I don't know. 
I feel like that's Jerry scene where like the, the George like you pronounce my, 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 my doorman Samuel. Molestation. <laughs> it's like the fancier version of it. Okay. It's, not, it's well, there's molesting and there's molestation. <laughs> okay. No, I didn't. I thought, I thought there was kind of this, this, all right. the. Uh, <laughs> I also learned yesterday, and this is one of the things when when people die, especially when they die when you're not expecting it. Yeah. You get stories that you're like, man, I, I feel like this should have been more well known. Did you know that Nothing Compares to You was a it was a Prince Prince wrote the song. Prince wrote it, but I don't think he performed it till after she did. So he wrote the song and it was about giving up smoking. Really? <laughs> yes. Now that I did not know. Which is the crazy like that should be I feel like that should be more well known. Again, if it's true. I've seen it uh, spread on a number of I mean, I could somewhat s- reputable sites. So I I'm I'm taking it as at face value, but it's uh, it's it's because I don't think Prince actually recorded it, or at least released a recording of it till after she did. I could, I might be wrong on that. I just don't remember ever hearing about it, like Prince actually doing it until after she did it. Because I'm sure knowing Prince, he probably was pissed she did it. He probably was mad that she somehow she got a, allowed to do it. Yeah, maybe. I mean, well, Prince got mad about everything when it came to his. I mean, it seemed like that. Like he was not, not the most generous person, like to giving away his rights, but. Uh, but I mean, yeah. Can you name one other Snid O'Connor song? No. I mean, true one hit wonder. I'm. I, I'm not saying that. I just don't know. I I didn't listen to her in the when she was real popular. I mean, she, I, I didn't listen to her when she was popular. I was a little older than you when she was popular, and I can't name you one of those. It might be one of those where if I saw no, I, I'm I'm looking at her other songs like I don't. Yeah, this I, don't I can't imagine there be anything. Yeah. But it is crazy. Like I feel like a lot of the. The video was very iconic as well, obviously. Yeah, I and mean, that's what I remember is that and yeah. the Tiny Toons covering it <laughs> when I was a little kid. Was, was the, it's how I knew the song. <laughs> really? I was very young. I don't remember that, but okay. I feel like a lot of young, uh, a lot of famous Irish singers have been dying young. Like the, the Cranberries lead singer died a few years ago. Did she really? She, yeah, she, she died. She had had cancer for a while. And then she passed, I want to say it was like 2020, 2019. I was joking with a buddy of mine last time when we were on the road, and he was like, uh, I was like, you know, it's funny. I spent like three years at Wagner, two years in history class. I learned more history from the song, the song "Zombie," about the fact that because of the Irish beginning his independence in 1916, and I was like, then I probably did in two years of history class in actual Wagner. Some songs can teach better than schools. (laughs) That's how it goes. It happens. All right, this is the basketball story that I want to get to. This is from On Three. Bono still alive? We love he is. (laughs) We love anonymous coaches. Sharing opinions they wouldn't give if their name was behind them. Like that's it's people have been doing these types of series for in summer for the last five six years. I want to do anonymous radio for whatever. Yeah, we we hear a lot about on football when the CBS will do its anonymous coaches series, and you know they'll be like, "Hey, talk bleep about the other coaches in your league," and and they'll do it. (laughs) On three is doing this now. They talked. They reached out to a bunch of college basketball coaches during the July summer evaluation and asked a pretty straightforward question. Who's the best X's and O's coach that you've gone up against in the college game? Someone who always seems to have a counter or be one step ahead of you. I was very intrigued by some of the answers. Okay. I mean, this, 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 this was overall college, right? Yeah. Best coach you've gone up against X's and O's wise. Doesn't have to be like the you know, best players or whatever. Just who you've had the hardest time going up against and you feel like it's just better at you when it comes to coaching the game. Okay. A coach in the ACC said this. Oh, good Lord. Rick Pitino. Best X's and O's coach I've gone up against. Maybe the best job scouting and preparing for opponents that I've seen. Not shocked to see that answer. Nah, not what's not Especially whatsoever. the scouting and preparing part. 
A coach in the Big 12 says it's Fran Dunphy by a mile. <laughs> Fran Dunphy, formerly at uh, Temple, Temple yeah. now at LaSalle. He says, strategic force spacing, creative use of personnel, excellent clock management, unique play design, extraordinary defensive schemes, and effort. A coach I mean, wasn't he a Don Chaney disciple, pretty much? I mean... He was there, yeah, he was there for a long time. Because then he ran, the, he ran the matchup zone, too, They correct? played the, the same way, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was, yeah, he's a very cool guy. I, I dig. I got no wrong with him. Yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan. Um, I just lost my page. Oh, no. Uh, a coach in the ACC said he gave four out. Five out. Dennis Gates, who's at Missouri now. Okay. Andy Enfield. I do like him. Micah Shrewsbury. Yeah, I, would, I know I like. Jawan Howard. And Brian Earl, who's the head coach at Cornell. Um, you know I'm not a big Juan Howard guy, so, I mean. I really want to go back and like see who's played all these guys. Like, you know, who's, what, what <laughs> ACC coach has played these five teams? Uh, I would assume the ACC coach is probably Cedric Patino's probably like Leonard Nager or something. Yeah, I can see that. I, I, that's just, I, I'm assuming he's someone old school. My gut instinct is Red Autry here from Syracuse, because Syracuse plays Cornell every single year. And... I, he, he would know Michael Shrewsbury. He would know Dennis Gates for sure. A coach in the SEC, and here's where it gets good. A coach in the SEC said Matt Painter comes to mind. Okay. Rick Bird, who was the former coach at Belmont, and Scott Davenport. Wow. Some da- really good major guys, too. They all know their system, and they recruit to their system. They have conviction in their beliefs. Their teams are direct extensions of what they believe in. Now, That's pretty cool. Could this have been Cal? Oh, maybe. <laughs> Would Caleb give kind of love to Bellarmine? The thing about these anonymous coaches, too, is they never specify that it's a head coach. That's so true, it, yeah. It could always be, which is where we got into the whole the Wake Forest quote gate about Lamar Jackson back in the day. Everyone assumed it was Dave Clawson, and I think what it wound up happening was it was a coach on the Wake Forest staff, yeah. but not Dave Clawson himself. I mean, how often do you think it really is a head coach in these, these quote-unquote— uh, I'd say probably rarely. like you, If any— yeah, you know, these guys have relationships with. I'm sure that the assistant coach is more, and the assistant coaches are more willing to talk about stuff like this, even if it is anonymous than most. Which, if that's the so. case, then you can't imagine just you can't just narrow it down to Syracuse. It could be someone on a staff. That's it could be for sure. Bounced around and been Although, at Cornell or played against Cornell. Audrey's been an assistant until this year, so he's still. That's true. Kind of fits the good point. Now here's where it gets fun. A coach in the American said this. <laughs> this this is the whole reason why I bring up this story. It wasn't for Scotty D name drop. Kevin Stallings. Nice. He is purely counters and execution. He had answers to every way you guarded his stuff. It was like a clinic tape. Kevin Stallings, a.k.a. the worst coach in the history of Pitt basketball, who was <laughs> got his ass fired after two years of losing a combined like forty five. Yeah, but games. you take away the pit era, it's it's not he wasn't even that good at Vandy. He was he, he was, was fine. okay at Vandy. He was gonna, he left for for Pitt because he was about to get fired at Vandy. They hated him. True, but his tenure at Vandy was you know top three of their program history. Sure, if not but the again, best. if you want to say that like, he's underrated or he got like a, a, a raw deal. That's fine. If you're saying he's the best X's and O's coach well, in college that's... basketball, <laughs> I got I've I've got it. I I can't die not knowing who said this quote. So it says as the, the American, the American, find out if he has any brothers and brothers or brother-in-laws or I'm calling Frank Hayes cousins. <laughs> Frank Hayes. I can see Frank Hayes being impressed by Kevin Stallings coaching acumen. <laughs> that's kind of. Again, you're going by you're you're, you're going by the uh, head coaching philosophy. I mean, you never know. It could be. Hey, you know, it's not like Kelvin Sampson or 
Could be. Penny Hardaway. I can see Penny saying that. Well, no, Frank Haith is an assistant now. He's in Memphis. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. That's right. That's right. I forgot they, that's the new cheater they hired. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think they brought in, didn't they bring in somebody else this year? I think they brought No, in, that was just Haith, wasn't it? Because they replaced. Uh, but now I think they've got some. They, they brought in uh, Stansberry. Rick Stansberry is over at Memphis. They bring in the bo- the biggest. That's right. You're right. You're the right. The best fire cheater in college basketball every year to, to be on that. Staff. I'm amazed they didn't hire Wade. It's coming. If he gets fired at McNeese, <laughs> he's gonna get fired at McNeese. It's coming. Head coach at McNeese or assistant at Memphis? Which one's a better gig? Assistant at Memphis. <laughs> <laughs> wow. There goes our there goes our syndication rights in wherever McNeese is. Did you see really <laughs> Louisiana? <laughs> Did you see really r- real quickly aside? The McNeese State basketball schedule? Yeah, Louisiana. Uh, no, I, again, until Will Wade, I, all I knew McNeese State wore was Joe Dumars. Which is, which is totally fine. Yeah. But McNeese State, so we made fun of Michigan knowing that Harbaugh was going to get suspended and scheduling oh, yeah. very, very easy the first four games. I think McNeese State, when they hired um, Will Wade, they probably knew that they were going to get something. So he suspended for the what first. You think <laughs> he suspended for the first ten games? Yeah. of this year, and their schedule is one of the funniest things I've ever seen. It's they, probably a lot harder than what Michigan football is playing. They will play to start the season. College of Biblical Studies, who has never had a basketball team before this year, <laughs> they will play Champion Christian, who lost to McNeese State uh, last uh, two seasons ago by fifty-six points. They're something done the Holy Tour. Laterno, shout out to Mary Kay, RIP, who lost to two Division One teams by a combined 89 points last year. Did you say Paterno? Laterno. Oh. Remember Mary Kay Laterno? No. Slept with a student? Big scandal. Was that the Florida girl? No. Oh. Right, maybe. I don't know. She was like, she's like the most famous teacher sleeping with a student. She got knocked up by her student. I thought, that, I thought she was in Florida, though, wasn't it? I, could have been. Oh, okay. And then the last, I never knew her name, the last game that Will Wade will be suspended for, for McNeese State. On December 5th, they will play the Mississippi University for Women, which does have a men's basketball team. I wouldn't say that's – I mean, I'm all for gender. It's incredible. They're playing women? The Mississippi University for Women, their men's basketball team, will take on McNeese State this year. Shouts to Will Wade. I mean, the man just look, not afraid to be who he I'll is. I'll be honest with you. You could have read that to me, and I thought you would have made up almost every one of those schools. They're real schools. Now, a coach in the Big 12, going back to who thinks the best coach in college basketball is, Mark Madsen from Cal. <laughs> he runs an NBA-type system. He has specific actions for specific players to get them to do what they do best. A coach in the Big E says, Greg McDermott at Creighton. Terrific offensive coach. Makes them hard to defend. Does a great job scouting. A coach in the ACC McDermott, says, Mike Young and Buzz Williams. Did they interview they, you? They like Virginia Tech. I mean, I like Mike Young. I know you like Mike Young. I don't mind Buzz Williams. Buzz Williams is a very detail-oriented coach. Too. Yeah. He does, like, you could, I think he's a super weirdo, but he's a he's a good coach, no question about it. Like they're going to be good Larry this year. Brown, like. Yeah, they're going to be. I mean, he does this thing where he's only at schools for like four or five years, but when he's in that four and five years, like they're good, and A&M's going to be good this year. Coach of the American says Bill Self. With him, it's late game execution. It's like you know the play's coming, but you just can't stop it. It seems like an easy name to, 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 to say. Yeah. Coach in the Big 12, Mike Young, and Herb Sendek, who's now at Santa Clara. Coach in the I a- wouldn't have guessed that. They're point Arizona State coach? At NC State, I think, more famously. Oh, that's what I'm thinking of. You're right, you're right. You're right. A coach but he the, coached them both, I guess. He did. Coach in the ACC, Casey Alexander from Belmont. He's really good. Just always feels like he's in control. Coach in the Big East, Matt Painter, Todd Kowalczyk from Toledo, and Greg McDermott. 
coach in the Big Ten, Matt Painter, by far. Fred Hoiberg, when he was at Iowa State, was good too. But Painter has 30,000 sets and counters. He gives you set after set, and you can't scout them all. And then lastly, a coach in the ACC, <laughs> it's Rick Pitino and Bill Self. I mean, Pitino should have been named more. I, lo- I love how the, the coach said uh, Hoiberg when he was at Iowa or whatever. I would he, say, yeah. I would say it's like, Not in Nebraska. Apparently he's lost it since. <laughs> <laughs> But back then, he was. That's like me being like Larry Brown when he was at Kansas. He was trying. I mean, that was. <laughs> so, to my, to, by my count, five coaches got multiple nods. Matt Painter got three. Which I have no problem with that, really. Bill Self got three. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Rick Patino got two. I would put him above both, but then Homer. Mike Young got two. And Greg McDermott got two. So. I've never been a big McDermott fan. They never play good defense. That's that's mine. I and it's pro and I, for someone who I'd appreciate more defense than offense, so that's probably why I guess. Shout out to Scott Davenport though, getting some nods, getting getting the love. I mean, it's good for him. Let's take a let's take a couple texts. Is there any name out there that you, you surprised you in here? That's a good question. I mean, um, I tell you, I know I know I guess I'm, I'm I can see why they wouldn't say it, but I, I'm still surprised me Chris Beard's name didn't get thrown out there. Someone is just very uh, X and O's. X and O's guy, yeah. He, I mean, they, their defense. I can understand though, not wanting to say his name with the current environment, though. Yeah, but I mean, if you're just if, if it's just about X and O stuff, I yeah, and, it, and it's anonymous too. True, that's true. I mean, true. nobody said Tom Izzo or Samson. Nobody said Kelvin Samson. That's a good yeah. one. I, I thought maybe, and you had a couple of American coaches who were interviewed. I mean, nobody said Tony Bennett. Nobody said no. Mark that's, yeah, that's yeah, guys that are. Yeah, especially the, the. I mean, yeah, all X and O's guys too. I guess when you, I mean, maybe they're faulting them for being system guys. I don't but know. But then you have Bill Self being picked twice, and you do have. I mean, people talking about systems and, and yeah. I mean, maybe if you had guys who were like making their top five, you I mean, would have had those guys probably named. But that's it's a little Jim Laranega. No, I mean, yeah, no Scott Drew. Yeah, I, I'm just yeah, I'm a little surprised some of the not names should be at least being thrown out there. No. Nothing against. I mean, Sendek got named. He did. I mean, <laughs> my buddy, my buddy Chris, who played at NC State for Herb Sendek, though, always he's, he's like he was easily the best I, coach I ever had. I'm sure he's. A, I'm sure he's. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying he's not trying to bash him too much. I'm just at least Big Cronin didn't get named. He did not get named. <laughs> not not going <laughs> to. some silver lining, I guess, and everything. Let's take a couple of texts here before we uh, we take a break. And a reminder, we're going to do the, the, the Rewinder Hour coming up next where we talk about the 93 Liberty Bowl. want you to weigh in. Hopefully you did your homework and watched that game at some point in the last two weeks when <laughs> getting ready. I was like, yeah, I did. Did you rewatch it again? Did I rewatch it again? Because I remember yesterday I, me- I mentioned something. No, but something. I watched it like two days ago. Okay, because I, I remember yesterday you mentioned about Marty Lowe, and you are like, he did? Well, he got... He, he only played like one set, yeah. We can talk about. I mean, I, it's on my list of stuff to talk about. Okay. Texture says. So, I'm not reading that. Texture says well, that would not take long. <laughs> you repeatedly said that nobody would have thought Louisville basketball would ever win four games. I actually predicted on the text line that the men's team would win less games than the football team last August. Here's the screenshot. Uh, he does again not quite a prediction of four games, but that is a bold prediction. He says, "I forgot." It's from Tuesday, August 23rd last year. I forgot to text us in yesterday, but my bold prediction is the football team gets more wins than the men's basketball team, which was very bold and very correct. It's impressive. You also want to know if we saw Oral Clark and Isaiah Briscoe win the Big Three championship yesterday. That was last year. Yeah, they did. <laughs> he was Defensive Player of the Year. Texture says, TK and Mike, maybe a text best answered off air. Ooh. 
But do you know any way to watch the TBT for free? The weekend games come on Fubo. I have a free trial. But tonight is only ESPN+. Plus. Any ideas? No, it, it's on Fubo as well tonight, is my understanding. So if you do have the free trial, you should be able to watch tonight. At least that's the way that it was in the, the, the official release. So I believe it's streamlive.us. Or 2sportsearch.net. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if they'll have it on, but that's where I, I watch my MLB games, though. Texas, was TK depressed yesterday? No, I wasn't depressed. Just because he fight with Patrick. <laughs> it, was, it was more of uh, I was more of a, a, angry at Scoots. You were mad at Scoots? I thought you were mad at other people. I was I was mad at them too, but it was it was stemmed from Scoots. <laughs> you were just mad at everybody. Well, because Scoots, for some reason, he like he didn't want to. T- he, he 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 told one person one thing and then told me another, and just didn't want to like just like I don't know for some reason didn't, just didn't have the stones to ask me to work something. Can I just say he's like I don't he's afraid to ask me or what I don't know why. But so he, so Patrick sent me the, the text in question. You guys both were, were communicating with me. <laughs> in separate text. You had the funniest text of the exchange by far. I laughed out loud at it. And I've got, we don't need to go in depth in the story, but there was, there was a whole thing about, you know, Patrick was sitting here working early and then he was supposed to stay until three. He was going to do the bats game and then at three o'clock you were going to come in, yes. finish the bats game. That was, that was what I was told, yes. And then John Spears had to cancel his show yesterday. <laughs> He's not feeling well. And you know, they were basically the, the whole text convo between you guys was you're like, no spear show, so like maybe TK will come in and do the bats game, and then you were like, you're like Spears canceling has no effect on the schedule. You're like, you're like Spears canceled. Scoots is doing the bats all next week. <laughs> That's what happens because I didn't understand. The- and I, I, I saw that text. I died laughing. It's, hey, Spears canceled. Scoots, you're doing the bats all next week. It's got no effect on the schedule for today. It didn't affect the. I, I, the problem was was he was. Scoots like said something to Patrick about me coming in and doing the game, and I, he has he never even asked me to do the game, and I was like, well, I'll just come in and relieve you know relieve him like I do you. He goes, I'll let I'll let Patrick know, and he never let Patrick know that apparently. Oh, no, that's an issue. So Patrick was assuming that I was on my way up there, and I was like, no, I'm not. I was I was like, I got woken up. I'm like, what do you mean I gotta be there? <laughs> yeah, I, I just it was yeah so. And it's, that's why, but I can't get mad at Scoots because he's like drunk in Wisconsin right now. Well, more power to him. <laughs> Calling me at one in the morning last night. It was kind of weird here and seeing We're Scoots. a big family, yeah. big, X, big X nation. <laughs> we hear the X. I think Mike would enjoy Jericho's many faces that he has in AEW. You would like to. Jericho's always been entertaining, though. He's currently doing the, uh, well, if he joins Callis family, but before that, he was the JAS, the Jericho Associate, uh, Appreciation Society. It was all the people who appreciate Chris Jericho for the greatness he is. Texas, y'all remember when Matt Jones tried to start the rumor that Louisville was trying to get Vince Merrow, Kenny Payne, and Dwayne Peavy just to get Vince Merrow a raise, and UK fans fell for it? I don't think it was Uvell. I mean, uh, well, he, no, he, there was that rumor. And Matt Jones is not the only one. Peavy no. reaches out to all his, uh, all his boys, all the ones that were uh, not Vince Merrow, I mean, reaches out to all his boys who, you know, all the ones that were invited to his wedding, and is like, hey, Put out. I mean, they've done this like five times now, where it's like hearing Vince Merrill could be in the shortlist for the Florida head coaching job. The, the only one outside of Kentucky's like, no, he's he's not even considered. No, the, the only one I I I mean, I would have believed if you told me it was it was fake, I would believe that too was the Youngstown State job. Yeah, because I mean, I could just, I could see them going because he's he has the ties there, and I, I guess Trestle's still the AD. I think I just but. Twitter searched Vince Merrow candidates, and the oh, first response that come up is just the cats from our friend and former colleague Michael Bennett. Oh. He has the story. It's like Vince Merrow named as a candidate. It's like by who? 
<laughs> Who else was he? Well, there was another job. Youngstown was like the first one. That's been oh, years. Oh, this now. is incredible. So I'm just going over. But there this. was one that was really off the wall. That was like all of the results on Google. If you type in Vince Merrill candidate, are all different jobs, and they're different Kentucky websites that are pitching him. Auburn head coaching candidates. Vince awesome. Merrill. Could Cincinnati have Vince Merrill on its shortlist? That, that was the that was the one that I think you 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 mocked big time with Cincinnati. Because no, the, no, yeah. there's absolutely no chance. You're just trying to get this guy a raise, and he's pulling favors now because he feeds you information constantly. Uh, it's <laughs> all that stuff gets out. Uh, it's yeah, it's it's a lot. Texas, how many TBT needs? How many TBT wins do we need for you to get the first? Lieberman should replace Kenny if things don't improve this year. Hot take, assuming it hasn't already happened. Oh, it's happened. <laughs> Are you kidding me? We had like five of those texts yesterday. Yeah, it was we more did. of the how many games would Lieberman have won if he was coaching last year's team text. <laughs> but there was definitely a lot, of, a lot of implication that Lieberman should get a spot. I have seen the whole thing where people are like, you should find a spot on the staff for Mark Lieberman. I'm like, we don't. We, we do this all the time. I mean, we want to put 75 people on our coaching staff. Can't go to another year of, well, if we had this guy, we'd be doing this record. Well, get right. I mean, I know that was all <laughs> last year. I hate to tell you this. I know. I, I, know, it's, I know it's coming. I know it's trying to like be patient. Texas says, Mike trying to make a salient point about child abuse and Sinead O'Connor, and then Trevor starts arguing about the pronunciation of Paul's station. Perfect segment. I wasn't wasn't arguing it. It just, I don't know why it just came up. Uh, You were using like a fancier way of saying. The way you say the word. Molested. You were, how'd you say it? Molestation. You're like mall, like Molotov. I mean, it's like, no, it's, it's mall, not mall. Well, I mean, it's, 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 it's how you pronounce the word. This is like harassment all over again. It's like this is a British version. Like you're adding a U into the word. You're putting the emphasis on the wrong syllable. Yeah. What's the, I was watching The Martian the other day. You know, I love the movie. And he's like, you think he means like we? <laughs> Texas Stallings was a good X's nose coach. Not the best, but good. They always play. I was going to say, I knew this was a UK fan. They always played UK tough and knocked him out of the SEC tournament two straight years in 12 13. He was fine at Van. He was not a great X's nose coach. I still get crap because I, I, I defend. I don't remember what he won situation. five games at Pitt. Well, he, oh, he was bad. There's no defending what he did at Pitt. But his Vanderbilt tenure was solid. It was okay. I mean, I, and, and, and I know if anybody's going to defend Kevin Stallings, they have to bring it up. He was one horrible non-travel call away from going to, well, that would have been the Elite Eight. eight. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, he was. Now, at, what happens after that, we'll never know. But, at know. the end of his tenure, though, I mean, he didn't go to his, he didn't go to his Sweet 16 after 2007. That was the last time they ever went to the second I think that was the only time they made it past the first round, wasn't it? No, no, no. They... They went. They'd gone to the Sweet 16 a couple of years before. Had they? Okay. But they never. After that, they only won one more NCAA tournament game. In the the 2012 team that beat the national champion UK team in the SEC championship, uh, won one game in the NCAA tournament. But I mean, he ended his tenure at Vandy. They had losing records in 2013 and 2014. They made the NIT in 2015, and they remember that they had that team that was like they set the record at the time for most losses getting into the NCAA tournament. They were 18 and 14. And made the first four, and like that—that that was it. Like he was—he was bad at the end of his tenure at Vandy for sure. But the the, the high points were were definitely high for that program at least in like the mid two thousands. But I mean, I would say only be the only person to come close to matching his success would maybe be Sam Newton. Eddie Fogler was a little bit had a nice little run, but he took over from Newton. So yeah, I mean, yeah, he was—he's probably Vandy's most. I mean, but yeah, time was bound to. 
He just really did not want to be at uh, Pitt, though, for some reason. Texture says we can end the hour on this. <laughs> just getting the record straight, the man who pronounces the word episode is trying to give someone <laughs> grief about pronunciation. I'm not giving you grief. Well, I guess I'm a little bit. I just... <laughs> I don't know. It just came off kind of sounding extra fancy. You don't need to fancy. You don't need to make that word fancy. <laughs> I'm not. I'm saying it the way that it's, it's pronounced. Are you sure? Like yes. if I did a Google search and to like the play button, how it's pronounced, you think it's going to come up mall or mall? I, I believe it will be mall station. Yeah. How do you spell it? <laughs> <laughs> On that note, uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, it's 93 Liberty Bowl time. We're going to play Rewinder. Oh, I want to hear this real quick. You ready? Yes. All right. This is. Molestation. Oh, I think that that's you. I think molest- molestation. It's kind of hard to tell, isn't well, it? He also is like has like a British voice. <laughs> if it's British, I'd be leaning more towards your version. I think. I guess. Who knows? Okay. Anyway, we need to stop talking about this now. Ninety-three Liberty Bowl Rewinder up next. Keep it locked yeah. right here, Mike Rutherford Show rolls on after this on fourteen fifty The Big X. We do talk about Joe Burrow getting carted off the field, which is that's pretty big news. It's uh, hopefully, I mean, yeah, it's. I just texted with my my best friend's a dour Bengals fan. That's not good. I've known him since mid '90s, and that's how you know he's a real Bengals fan. Man, uh, but yeah, he uh, he has. I just saw the uh, uh, TJ actually texting the text line and said something about it, and I Ooh. went right to Twitter, and there is a video um, of him being um, helped off the. The field, he's he's limping a little bit. Hopefully, it's, right leg injury. Is what yeah, it's, it's being described as that's not good. I mean, it can't be. Hopefully, it's okay. I was I was with Paco when the poor uh, Carson Palmer incident against the Steelers oh. game happened. It's, it's it's a bad memory for Bengals fans. Trust well, me. We're wishing the best for Joe Burrow and Bengals fans. But speaking of injured quarterbacks, let's go back to 1993. It's time we've been yeah. talking about this for a couple of weeks. We did this Rewinder series twice last year. I did it both times. Trevor did it once. One and a half. He watched, he watched the game while we were talking about it. That's the half. But it was fun. It was a nice way, to, a nice little adventure, a nice little excursion to go on in the middle of the summer here as we get ready for football, which is now just over a month away, thank God. But we chose because Jeff Brom is now back. I don't know if you've heard about this. He's now back <laughs> coaching the Louisville football team, the place where he once played and coached as an assistant. Before this year, we he thought, was? let's pick a Jeff Brom game 
back in the early 90s, Howard's heyday. And so we went with the 1993 Liberty Bowl, U of L's win against Michigan State. Let's let's set the table here for you. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You were at this. Game. I went to the game. Yeah. Okay. Went so went. how old were you in in when this game happened? I was 12. You were 12. So yeah. like so sixth I, grade, seventh grade. Yeah, and I was still like, I hadn't like I was I was like my early stage of really getting into football too. Okay. Like cause football was like the last sport I got like really into. And, I mean, I liked football, but I was more like a casual fan. I was more still in the NBA, college, baseball, uh, in major league, not college baseball, and then obviously pro wrestling still at that point. So, like, the NFL was kind of the last of the party for me. But, like, the – I, I was the total opposite. NFL really? Was like, NFL was, like, my first love. Like, I, I mean, I enjoyed NFL. Like, I, 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 was, I knew I liked the Eagles because I liked watching Randall play and things like that. But, like, I wasn't, like, like – into it the way I am now, really. Like, I, like you know, it's my, probably my favorite sport to watch and my favorite thing to follow. But uh, yeah, I went there with my uncle and uh, uncle and went there with my uncle and aunt and, his, and one of the, some of their friends. Good seats? Uh, no, they were we were out kind of upper level. But I just remember being kind of miserable, like kind of half paying attention to the game as well because I went with my friend. He he went with the trip with us and we and him were mostly just goofing around and almost watching the game. That happened as a kid. Yeah, I mean that's how I spent most of my time when I, like when we'd go to like UK games when I was young with the season tickets that my uncle had. See, I remember the only games Bother that uncle. I consistently went to as a kid is one of my best friend's dads coached for Trinity, so we always went to like the Trinity games on Friday nights. And I remember going to the Cardinal Stadium back. They would always play the games. They used to have like high school doubleheaders at the Cardinal Stadium way yeah. back in the day, and like. I was the same way. Like we were into it, but like we mostly were there to like throw the football around ourselves, yeah, run around behind the stands and, and do all that stuff. I think I spent one time, like I said, I went to a lot of UK games. One of my other uncles, Uncle Bill, had season tickets, and I think we spent one game just like kind of me and uh, my cousin who was from up there. I can't remember his name. Saved my life. Uh, it was one of those relatives. Like I only hung out with him on like game days. Like I never saw him anywhere other time outside of that. We and just lost uh, a <laughs> wherever he is now. And uh, I remember just walking around the uh, old Commonwealth Stadium. This board was even like you know finished as a, as a circle, going under the bleachers and just finding old ticket stubs. And one of the core ones I found was a game from like against Georgia in like '82. That's cool. And this is you know circa 1990. You know, so it's been eight years. And I remember collecting a bunch of these old ticket stubs and just kind of going through it. And something something you're never going to do nowadays, at least. I was excited to watch this game because unlike the other two games that we watched, like I had. Obviously, I had very clear memories from the the West Virginia game in 05. Oh yeah, yeah. And then the ECU game that we well, watched. I was clear, but yeah, I, I was in high school, so like, you know, I, my fandom was firmly established. I remember the players. I remember what happened. This was I was in, I, I was nine years old. I was in third grade, and I remember this was the, it was, it was kind of the first season. I take it back. I was in second grade, so th- this was the first season that I remember like following U of L basketball, but I, I mean U of L football. But I knew that I didn't really remember the specifics of the game, the the a lot of the players besides the big ones. I, I remember that season. I remember losing to West Virginia narrowly. I remember. See, I didn't even hardly remember that, and I'm older than you. I mean, I, I, I do remember that. I remember being so into. It. I remember like our three losses were all against really good teams. Well, apparently, between the two of us, all of our losses were to ranked teams. If you remember watching the broadcast, I, I, yeah, so. I learned that from the broadcast. IU, by the way, was one of those. Right? Which is funny, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Talked about it, but I do. Remember, I have vivid memories of sitting down and watching this with my dad in our old, like, family room, and thinking, like, the only thing that I remember is Brom being hurt and thinking it looked like the most miserable conditions of all time. And you see it. They start the game. They talk about how it's 
It's 30 degrees out there. It looks, from the way that you look at the people and the, the breath that you can see, like it's negative 5 degrees and slightly like rainy. It looks like the, the most miserable thing of all time. Do you remember being that I, miserable no, weather-wise? that's the thing. Like When you think about that compared to the one I went to when I was 20... Like the tw- I, maybe it's just because of the age differences. Like the, the that one, I don't remember being as miserable at. It's it's weird. So I like, I mean, I'm I'm sure I probably complained at some point, but I guess it, when you're that young, it's just kind of that, or at least young enough. It's I don't know. Like the tw- when I went to the one against Colorado State, like that one, I was miserable. I've heard that was bad too. Like it was horrible. I didn't I didn't help. Like my friends were just like, we want to go, let's go. Um, so when when I announced that we were. Doing this a couple weeks ago, that this was the game we picked. Somebody DM'd me on Twitter and said I was actually in the U of L band back oh, at this wow. time, and you know, this was '93, so you didn't have as easy access to weather reports. Oh and no! They all just kind of talked amongst themselves, and they were like, "You know, Memphis is a few hours south. There's no way it's going to be that bad." So they all left their big jackets at home. Like nobody brought <laughs> big coats. And you're the band. You you've got to stay seated and in the same place the entire time. You can't get up and walk around or do anything. So he was like, we would designate one person to go get hot chocolates and make sure that we wouldn't die. He's like, we thought we were going to freeze to death. He's like, it was the most miserable experience of our entire life. We were just cheering for a fast game because it was so, so terrible being there. But the weather, as Liberty Bowls tend to be, w- w- was not great. But it's, you know, 30 degrees is better than, I think, some of the other bowls they've had there in, in recent years. But outside of that, I mean, do you remember any of the specific specifics from the game? No, actually, there? I really didn't. I, I, I didn't. Were you happy that we won at least? Right? Yeah, I mean, I remember us winning, and I just, I, but I didn't like watching the game. Like I had, like it was kind of like I didn't remember how like the game played out. Okay, I, like I, I, I really I didn't, didn't remember. I didn't remember Simple Shepherd at halftime. I didn't remember, like I just, I remember us winning, and I, I remember Brom being like playing real well, and, like being excited about Brom, like especially scrambling and stuff, but. Like and I remember Ralph Dawkins scoring. I remember, I remember him. I, 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 in back of my mind, maybe it's because also, I, like I said, he was my favorite player as a kid. Like him having a good game, and I guess technically he did. But uh, case yeah, in point with like the lack of memory. But yeah, it was mostly just yeah. It, I did not really yeah. My memory does not go back far back as well. So Michigan State starts the game. They go right down the field and score. And I remember like so. I'm, I'm watching this. I'm like. Am I misremembering the score? <laughs> like you know, it, that's it threw me off too. Eighteen yeah. to seven is, is lodged in my brain forever. Yep. Is how we won this game. And I'm like, am I? And I didn't want to check because I was like, you know, at this point, I'm I'm watching. I'm I'm going to be surprised. But I was like, they scored awfully easily, and they went right down the field, and they're looking pretty good. Do we hold them? Do we really hold them scoreless the rest of this game? And spoiler alert, we did. But uh, you know, we come right down. David Akers kicks a field goal. But one of the things that stood out to me immediately, and really it stayed this way for pretty much the first three quarters of the game, Michigan State like really controlled the line of scrimmage. And they, they showed the graphic at the beginning of the game, how much bigger than they they were than us. And it shows it reminded me in a lot of ways of the Florida Sugar Bowl, where there were times in that game where you're watching and you're like, how are we winning this game? Like they they are just kick, we can't run the ball on them at all. They're kicking our ass at the line of scrimmage. The holes that they're opening up are way bigger for their running backs than the ones that we're opening up for ours. Like they were clearly the bigger and more physical team, and it just it ends up being I think a handful of, of big plays and our defense really stepping up and tightening up when they needed to that give us the chance to win the game. But I was, you know, I guess you shouldn't be surprised. This is Big Ten Michigan State back in the early '90s. 
and Little Louisville, which is still independent, it not, was, not recruiting as much. Like we were, we were way smaller than they were. I, I guess. I mean, the, the is, is the broadcast was beginning. The first thing I, I, I loved was getting the starting lineups and I and getting remembering real, real quick, some of the names. So did you like that? Was another thing that stood out to me that on offense, I obviously I remember the big names. I was obsessed with Aaron Bailey at this time in my life. Uh, Jeff Dawkins, um, Asher, uh, some of those guys. On defense, I was shocked by how – I'm really young, and at this point in your fandom, you probably remember the big names, but you're not like going in-depth on the depth charts. I, obviously, I know Joe Johnson. Yeah, well, I recognize so few of the names on defense. Uh, I, and he didn't start – because I thought Madison started on the team. I guess he was on that team, but didn't – I saw him on the sidelines. Okay, yeah, okay. He had his big name on the Because I, I couldn't remember if, he, if it was him or Buchanan was still on that roster. That, that was something I couldn't remember as well. I guess Buchanan had left the year before. Eric Gaines was was like our yeah, stud. And I, Kevin Gaines. Kevin Gaines. And right. I kind of remember Gaines a little bit, but then again, I'm like, and I remember Hannah, but then again, I'm thinking maybe I'm confusing him with because it was Jimmy. I'm thinking he played for the Patriots. I want to say, unless I'm thinking of a different Hannah. That's what that's what my name was. But other than that, yeah, I didn't recognize as many of the names offensively. Obviously, David Akers, who in typical pure young David Akers fashion, was missing field goals. And missed, he, missed, missed the second one. He missed the first one he nailed. And accuracy was not David's best attribute as a young kicker. I wrote this down <laughs> in my notes. The celebration after his first made field goal is like the most exuberant yeah. celebration that any Louisville player does the entire game. I mean, he would miss – I think he missed three of them in the U.K. game the next year, which they talked like, about. You know. so, like, he, he hits the field goal to make it 7-3. Yeah. And it keep, it's, it's a first-quarter field goal and not like a huge 55-yard boomer. It's like a 33-yard field goal to make it 7-3. He gets down on one knee and does a full-on like hockey celebration where he's like fist, <laughs> he's like uppercut fist pumping. I, it was maybe the most shocking thing of the entire game. Was, I guess me. he would have been a sophomore on it. He was young, wasn't he still? He I don't know. He wasn't, I don't think he was an upperclassman. I think he was an underclassman. But, uh, Jamie Asher named that. Do you not notice that you're just glossing over the celebration? Well, it was just, incredible. <laughs> I have it like circled in my notes five times. I didn't see him celebrate that way. Oh my god! It was. He, I must have missed the celebration. Watch the game. It was like. I, that, well, now that you know, I mean, the fact his history of missing give me field goals. Would you be surprised that he would celebrate that way? I mean, yeah, it, it seems. Did he? He said he did. He did. He did do the Tiger Woods like thing. He he did like a full on like got down on one knee and like did this thing. Oh, like, he did he that did all the way up to the Eagles. I mean, it was. But I, mean, I think I have a picture, an autographed picture of him doing that. It was a lot. Yeah, it, it was more than I was expecting for anybody in 1993, let alone our kicker, <laughs> <laughs> who just kicked in the first quarter of a game to make it seven three. Also, one thing I don't, I I did not remember this at all, and they emphasized it a lot, was the the sickness of Howard Schnellenberger. Yeah, of how he had like a hundred and three degree temperature, and they they had to exit. He looks the same. Yeah, he's, he doesn't seem to be any di- acting any different. But yeah, like I had, I did not remember that at all. Like I didn't remember it then. I don't remember like hearing about it post as well. His jacket in this game, is and then the story of like the the fire alarm going off, and and him like collecting the players and be like, all right, where's Jeff? Where's Jeff? Make sure to get Jeff out of here. <laughs> I mean, and, His, uh, two two clothing notes. His jacket in this game is. <laughs> Marvelous, like yeah. Louisville Cardinals football black jacket. And Billy Crystal, marvelous. It looks incredible. Also, I don't know if you noticed this. These are the things that I noticed during the games. The ball boy for us has this Louisville Cardinal football sweatshirt. I did not notice. This. I would pay five hundred dollars for that. Sweatshirt. I had to go back and watch. That. Oh, I did it's not so see that. cool! I, I was realized like, that. I, was like, I want all the gear. Usually, this. I do notice that type of stuff too, and I didn't. It was so so cool. Other thing that I have circled going back to like the them being so much bigger than us, and, and you know, this being a time where we weren't recruiting. On a, a Big Ten level, we weren't even in a conference. No, we weren't. Like, you know, this was the time in our lives when we were growing up, and it lasted really until you know, the, the mid-2000s, 
if you were a big-time local football player, you weren't going to Louisville. And their best player, Michigan State's best defensive player, Juan Hammonds, was from Fern Creek. And he's, you know, they announced it when they do the starting lineups about how you know, Juan Hammonds from Louisville going up against his hometown team, and he's bleeping everywhere. Did they say Fern Creek? They didn't. I looked it up. Okay, because that was bugging me. I was like, they never once mentioned where he went. Yeah, they said he's from Louisville. And yeah, he kept, they kept saying Louisville, and I was like, well, where, where, where? And I never thought about Googling it, I guess. But. And apparently he's still, just based on when I Googled his name, he's got a kid now who's a big-time recruit. Uh, okay. For ba- and basketball, and they he never left Michigan after he went up there. He still lives. Yeah, up he there. played well in that game. From what he, I yeah, remember. he's he hits. He's the first person to get a really good lick on Jeff, and then he's he, get, he has his name called a lot. But this was the time where you know nowadays we'd be like, why can't we keep that kid home? How do we let that kid get away? And, and back then it was like, of course we let him get away. Like, we, oh we're, yeah, I mean, we're not keeping anybody here if they have a chance to go to a Big Ten. I mean, when I was a kid, I remember seeing got people that were from Louisville. None of them ever played like Chris Dishman type names that come up my in the playing at Purdue with Rod Woodson and stuff. I mean, it was yeah, it, it, that's but the, the names like when when they announced like that was like my favorite part was just going down the memory lane of like you not as much on the defense, unfortunately for Louisville, but. Especially on the offense, like you mentioned, Aaron Bailey, who kind of famously he had a few drops in this game, which kind of was a precursor of what happened in the AFC title game when he dropped the hail mary that would have won it for the Colts. I love Aaron Bailey. I know, I do too. I just I was, that's all I think when I think Aaron Bailey, I think of him dropping that that Harbaugh hail mary against the Steelers. Um, they didn't drop it. I guess it kind of well he did did but did but didn't. Uh, and Jamie Ashley is a guy who's like named like like Arnold Jackson. I think they just has gotten forgotten in Louisville lore. Of like some of our great players, yeah, for sure. Like, cause he, I mean, he was like just such a, a very high, uh, I'm octane, but a high, a, you know, product catching, getting a lot of uh, targets and everything, and it, it kind of forget. I think he gets forgotten about. Within rightfully so, he's had so much good players in the last you know, twenty years. Um, now, I don't know if you saw this either. Let's just try to focus on the game. Here. Obviously, and then according to uh, Anthony Shellman, who's uh, Devontae Parker's dad, who was out there. Uh, getting some play, he got stuffed at the goal line. He got he got. A, I mean, he had, he did convert. He went over the top earlier in the game on the the third yeah. and one and got it, or it may have been fourth and one. And then they tried it again on the fourth and one of the goal line, and he just he, he went nowhere. He was he was fine. I don't remember. I, he was one of those guys I don't really remember that much about. I remember Dawkins a ton, but there were sometimes th- this shocked me. I don't know if you thought about, it, but they pointed it out of the broadcast. There were times where Shelman would line up as the tailback. And they had Dawkins as the fullback, a five foot nine fullback, and they were like, they like to use him as a receiver out of the set. And every time they did it, he was legit pass blocking. Like they had little Ralph back there. Couple of them, couple of them used him as a decoy in the reception. They pointed that out during the touchdown, which was kind of crazy. Yeah, but yeah, but that was, I mean, he was kind of like a very long before his time. I mean, of the the receiving back, that he was probably as good as a receiver as he was a running back. The. I mean, so, I mean, you didn't see as much in the early '90s. Early in, in the game, the broadcast too. Like, I don't, I, I did not remember this, but they show how Brom got hurt, how the finger injury happened. Oh yeah, that one. That's it, a, it was a cheap as hell shot from the Tulsa. Not only that, I mean, the way he bent. Yeah, he, he, his like full on. Like they had to look at his neck and his back because he like drills the the the. the it was Tulsa, right? It was Tulsa. The dude, so he's running out of bounds. It's late in the game, and the Tulsa dude just shoves him. And he goes, he goes flying. Nobody tries to stop him either on the, the Tulsa bench. He goes flying over the bench. He hits the concrete wall. He braces himself with his hands, and still, like he he's, he bends in a weird way. Like I, I always remember that he had had a he was playing with like essentially a broken finger in that game. Yeah. I don't think I ever have remembered as an adult, at least, how it happened. That was a 
really dirty play. LeBron had a lot of injuries. Kind of, he got banged up a lot, I guess, in college. So, yeah, but I agree. I never knew that either. And then when I saw that, I said the same thing. I'm like, can you imagine somebody doing that today? That, 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 the kid who pushed him would just be, like, in exile. He'd be, like, out of the league. I mean, we had the, the Malik Cunningham play, like, last year, and they were, like, like, we were ready to throw that kid from James Madison off the bridge. Yeah, yeah, I mean, just, I mean, he went yeah, – and there was a few times in this game where there was hits I was like, nowadays that's a flag. The very first one that I mentioned, the, when, when Hammonds hits him, it's a solid, like, second and a half yeah. after the ball's out of his hand. And the, I think the refs – I mean, the, the announcers kind of pointed out a few. I was like, oh, that's kind of late, but the, you didn't see any – like, I think the, the, the closest the thing the would be – would be like the accidental face mask flag that, that, yeah. that was thrown a few times. But, but, yeah, most of the time, like, there was a couple times Brom took a hit, like, kind of late going out of bounds. You can also see, I was going to say, you can see why Jeff got hurt so much. I mean, the man's he not. He scrambled a lot, yeah. He's not looking to avoid any hits. Like, they have designed nope. plays. I mean, on the last drive of the game where it's 18-7, we're running out the clock, he takes off and runs by himself. I'm like, what yeah. are you doing, Jeff? I'm like, get down. Like, you, you're already banged up enough. Your team has won the game. Don't get yourself even more hurt. But he was, yeah, he took a ton of hits in this game. He was scrambling a lot. Um, I do remember, like, one of the things I, I kind of liked as I was watching is they kept talking about the on the other side of the Michigan State team, and they kept bringing up Jim Miller, and I, they were like, he wants to play on NFL Sundays. I'm like, well, he, he does. He ends up being an NFL player. I remember him for the Bears. Yeah, he, that was the game against the Eagles when uh, the, he had that great season. I think the Bears went, like, 13-3 and with him as a starter, and, like, two plays in the game. He Douglas just like just destroys Jim Miller, destroys it. He breaks his collarbone. Douglas was fined and suspended the next year for the hit, and uh, then of course the Eagles end up blowing him out. But that's that's kind of like he, I think he was over one lifetime as a playoff quarterback. I had down in my notes that this is actually like a, a pretty good college quarterback matchup. Like Jeff yeah. ended up playing in the NFL a little bit. Miller had I looked it up. He had like six or seven years in the NFL, and then two seasons where he started. The Falcons at least he, partially for the Bears. He had the good. Yeah, I think he was good year with the Falcons, and like in the late nineties, because I think I remember him being on Tecmo Bowl or like Madden with the with the Falcons, and then that one season in 01 with the Bears, where uh, yeah, they had the really good year, and then Don McNabb went in Chicago and just smoked him. That was McNabb's first NFC title game. And if you're wondering, he like now has a career as a. He's done like Bears post game stuff, does some he? of the radio broadcast. I think he's got his own radio show on on Sirius XM, uh, covering the NFL and covering the, the Bears specifically. A couple of the players like Craig Thomas, I remember the running back, uh, the defensive back Pryor, I think his name was. I remember him. I think he played with the Steelers for a few years. Uh, there was a couple of defensive players, not obviously more local players than Michigan State that stuck out, but Miller being the obvious one because he's a quarterback and. I think at one point, didn't the announcer say something to Jeff about being like a, one of the top two or three quarterbacks taken? Did they? I don't think I remember. I think I remember the announcer being like saying something to Jeff. Like, like I can't remember which announcer it was. Was like, I'm surprised Jeff's being this uh, aggressive. You know, he's got a chance of being taken one of the first or second quarterbacks taken in this draft. I'm like, what? What draft was this? The what draft was this? <laughs> you could tell though, like with, with Miller, like he had. A, NFL arm, like, like they, they, he's they, size too. They announced that early, and he throws a couple of rockets downfield. They neither team took a ton of chances. Jeff, I think early in the game they tried one traditional long ball, and he wildly underthrew it. And you could tell it was going to be one of those deals where if he's going to work for us with this injury, it's going to be the short and intermediate passing game. And my God, like this was not fully indicative of old school football, but. It, it was. It's a boring style to watch compared well, to today. Like Michigan State played straight, like how Iowa plays now. Like, yeah, they're punting a ton from like the other team's forty. 
They're you know, it's a lot. Of, they're like seventy five drop screens in this game. Well, and they, and they they even the coach even pointed out in one of the interviews they did you know during the broadcast were like. He's not going to change his method. He's going to. They're going to run, run, yeah, run down your. It's boring as hell. And it, it was a sloppy game. And honestly, at some points, like you mentioned, Michigan State comes out, kind of puts it right down our throats, goes up seven nothing, and it was seven three for the longest time after the Louisville's opening field goal drive. I feel like Michigan's Louisville got kind of fortunate. Michigan State kind of shot themselves in the foot many they a did, time for sure. Uh, they they had one I think where they had just a touchdown and the guy dropped it. Drop touchdown pass. Um, the outside kid. There was uh, the, some penalty, just timely penalties with them. They missed a short field goal as well. Yeah, they I think they missed two, didn't they, or was it just one? I think just one. And I guess the second one they didn't go for because I think they had missed the first one. But did you see the Michigan State kicker's hair? By the way, <laughs> no, I don't think missed his hair. See my notes. <laughs> Sparty kicker mullet. Our notes would be completely different. Huge mullet. I'm like I'm like talking about moments of the game. You're like, did you see the kid's sweater? This is the best part about rewatching. <laughs> I know. Well, that and unfortunately we didn't get the commercials. Right underneath the Sparty kicker mullet, I've got. Brom name on back of jersey is completely off center. It wasn't. <laughs> it's the little things about football in 1993 that are different than they are now. You know, nowadays, you know, these Adidas and Nike, they've got like machines or whatever that will make sure every every little detail is covered. The names on our back were very clearly hand stitched by somebody, and half of them are like wildly off center. It's just like, also I, I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just brain farted this in my lifetime. Has Michigan State always only worn the logo on one side of their helmet? I th- no, I, that that stood out to me too. It's it's different. It was different then than it is now. Okay, because I was like I was sitting there thinking like do you, I think Pittsburgh Steelers when I think that is it the only NFL team that does it. I was like I don't have I always just not noticed that Michigan State only wears it on one side, or was that just something maybe back then that they did it because they they were on both sides now, don't they? I'm almost positive because that's what they did. That stood out to me too. I was okay. Like, it looked weird when they would show it on, on the other side, and it was like just blank green. Green, yeah. And I was like, just no way they. I mean, I, I almost thought about going back and looking at old pictures, and I forgot to. Um, the the ticker on the bottom, I loved every time. I've even got that I, written down. Too. Even I couldn't really see some of the this. It was I don't know. It was, maybe it's because it was cut off on the way my on my screen, but I did love the nothing says the nineties. I hope you're going to say what I'm going to say. Like a 900 number. This was I had this, completely forgotten about this. I mean, in, in the night, for those that don't remember the 90s as much, like the not everything was like, if you wanted to to get your horoscope, you call a 900 number. You want to get score updates, you call a 900 number. Just want to get off? You call a nine hundred number. Everything was nine hundred numbers in the nineties. So I, I kind of miss it a little bit, but I also don't. So they had the bottom line ticker, and yeah. I this is something that I had just compl- I never would have remembered if we hadn't gone back and watched this game or something else from this time. At the end of the listing the scores out, and you forget like they only would do this once an hour. Yeah, and then, and you don't have your, your game score like you know planted There's on the nowhere screen. Nowhere on yeah. the screen. You have no, no idea. I don't you think they ever showed it once. If you watch the game late, you've got no idea what the score of the game no. is until they say it out loud. But they they, they um, show the scores, and at the end, times. it's like if you miss any scores or want updates, like call one nine hundred ninety like nine five six five ESPN, and it's ninety five cents for the first minute and like fifty five cents for every minute after yeah. that. And I'd, I, I <laughs> just to get an update on your score. I see that I pause the YouTube video because I'm like, I remember calling this number at least a couple of times growing <laughs> up because I, I was so desperate to get to it, and it was so frustrating because it would be like you know. Did you try calling it during the game? No, but it would be like, pick the sport that you want 
for NFL. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, it's going to take five minutes here. My parents are going to kill me. I'm like, I'm just trying to find out the score of like the Louisville Duke game or something because, you know, no phones. Yeah, you didn't have the internet. I mean, that's, I guess the internet kind of took the place of 900 numbers in a way. I, I mean. had totally forgotten that that was a thing. And I remember calling it being the, the least useful service of all time. I mean, there, what, there, what didn't have a 900 number back in the 90s? It's true. I mean, so, you, you had WC. I remember WWF and WCW. You could call and, like listen to I, wrestling. I, I called that. I yeah, I mean, like you said, because the, the only channel that I think ran close to I don't want to say twenty four seven ticker, but like CNN would ran scores more. I think I feel like I would a lot of times I would go to CNN for scores. That's where I would check the scores more often than not. It was like twenty two and fifty eight, like past the hour or whatever. Yeah, like and, the, and the ESPN only did it very like during play by play. Dwayne Walker, CNN, headline <laughs> sports. I was never forget the was it Fred Fred? Uh, no, it's not Acres. What was the what was the black guy's name that the Fred on there? I don't know. Dwayne I, Walker was black. I, well, he may have been, but I'm thinking the guy that was so famous on there. And I, I remember being down at the Sugar Bowl and like turning on the local news, and there he was on the broadcast. I'm like, oh good. I think he passed away a couple years ago. I, I, I can't remember. I can't, not blue, but I can't remember Fred's last name right now. Mm. Someone on text, I'm sure, will remind me and tell me about it. But um, the the 900 number of things stuck at the scores. Like I kept trying to see if a Pacers score would come or a Blue Jays score. I couldn't see one. Like some of the NBA games, like I was trying to because it was kind of cut off at the bottom, so I had trouble reading it. But I still that was we, always fascinating to me. The, the two the two big things of the broadcast that stood out. You brought them up already. The the lack of a score or like game clock at any point, which I don't think, yeah, they, maybe maybe when they went to break, they would show it. It was sh- shocking to me that I was like, you know, I, I was keeping the score in my mind. They would they would score, I think, when they would come back after a commercial. But if you just flip the game on in the middle, you've got no idea what the score is or how much time is left. The the nine hundred number, and the other thing was, I forgot how frustrating. And I guess we didn't know any better at the time. Watching the game without the little first down line is. Oh yeah, I mean when that didn't come out to like two thousand or the two thousands. Yeah, sometimes the announcers and I did like seeing Adrian Carson on the sidelines too. That was that was nice. But like the announcers, you know, they'll forget to give you the down and distance before a play, and so you're trying to like do the math in your head. And like <laughs> I'm judging whether or not we got the first down just based on the players' reactions. I'm like, oh, he's got to be short, I guess. And they're like. Third and thirteen. I'm like, I had no idea what down and distance it was, <laughs> or where the line to game was. How do we ever watch sports like this? It's uh, a very good question. Fred Hickman, by the way, is who I was thinking. Fred of. Hickman. There you yeah, go. it's uh, the legendary CNN's uh, sports uh, sports person. Um, yeah, it's just, yeah, just it's that. Not just I don't know what it is. Like whoever recorded the game, like the 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 quality is not exactly the best, and just some weirdly like the, the bouncing at halftime kind of yeah. Like I don't know why <laughs> you cut out your commercials, and at halftime it goes to like a, a, a very shortened version, a very young uh, Lee Corso talking, which is fun. Talking about the Florida State Michigan, uh, Florida State Notre Dame game coming up, and it just goes back to the Liberty Bowl. And I don't remember this at all. Like Sybil Shepherd, the weather has to be horrible. Like it was was Sybil Shepherd? Was this like I guess her downtime in celebrity not, being? A, yeah, I don't. Like doing the the song for Jude uh, the 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 foundation and like it stayed with it like I was almost shocked I'm like of all the things you're gonna cut off you're gonna leave this whole song in here and I kind of I, I don't know I'm sure you fast forwarded I watched it I was like I was into it I fast forwarded not me I listened to the whole thing <laughs> they had the uh, yeah, they did continue like the most exciting Jeff Brom interview was happening or run the whole game was happening during the in game interview um, with. It. It wasn't Johnny Nice. It was uh, that was the other thing. That one stuck out to me too because I don't remember. I guess just my memory of Unitas is just 
not that comprehensible. I mean, I, I, just like just all all the all, everything's firing on all cylinders with him at that point in his life. Still. Yeah, yeah. Like I think back, I guess a few years later, a few years later, when you know he's just maybe not all the marbles are still sharp. I don't really remember him to be like honest. him like, talking and stuff. It yeah, was, him being a presence. Yeah, up. no, he wasn't. I mean, but he was there. Just he was. I mean, and rightfully so, I guess. I mean, I love that, and I love how kind of they talked about. You know, <laughs> the announcers were completely against like the super conference. I'm like, yeah. we're 30 years later and we're still talking still, about this. In 30 a way. years from now, it's probably still gonna be the same thing. I mean, it's just insane. And Snowberger talking, you know, obviously in the. Little pre-done interviews about how he was been in a conference. We'd have more respect and all that. Uh, stuff. And, and but you know the super conferences are bad, and we're not gonna, you know, independence should stay alive. I'm thinking a couple years later, this is gonna be what's gonna be the unraveling of your tenure here at Louisville. Really, I just have a couple more thoughts. I know we're running long here, but the you mentioned the officiating, the head referee. You know, nowadays, I feel like you get head referee like Ed Hockley, they're in shape, they're very with it. Oh yeah, yeah. The head referee in this game looks like he's a seventy-year-old alcoholic <laughs> who's about does. five minutes away from dying. Like every time he gets up there, he's like, oh, offsides, number sixty-five-yard <laughs> penalty. I'm like, oh my. I'm like, this guy looks like he's about to die. How are we putting this guy in charge of calling this game? And there were a couple times where, you know, th- there's no replay. There's no, but like we had dudes who just like was one play where Aaron Bailey starts running his route like it's the Arena Football League. He takes off three seconds early. They don't blow it dead. The play goes <laughs> on. And I'm like, it's just is, is this just gonna be okay? What's like the officiating was a lot looser back then. I feel like except they got into a pattern where they they called like five holding penalties on on six plays. Did did you get curious when they would preview the upcoming bowl games that week? Who won those games? Maybe. A little bit. I, I saw. I didn't miss Ohio the Ohio State and somebody, and then it was. Uh, I like that they were talking about like the triple header on New Year's Eve because I remember that <laughs> with the, the Peach Bowl and like I, I also was kind of surprised. I don't. Now remember was that there the being... U, was that the UK Clemson Peach Bowl? I think that, I think that was a little bit later. That that was either it was either that year or the next year because I want to say that was in ninety four ish. I think that was I think that was later. Maybe it was New Year's Eve of ninety four, then going into ninety five, then Marty Lowe dropping the interception. It was ninety? It was, no, it was ninety three. So that was the yeah. So that would have been the same year. I watched that game in an E Town hotel. I, w- I remember watching it upstairs in my uh, my old parents' hotel. So that was the, the game that they were previewing was the the Clemson Kentucky Peach Bowl. But I was surprised that you know I don't remember corporate sponsorship of bowl games really taking over until like the late '90s, early 2000s. But all those games now they they were still the the traditional name, the Sun Bowl, Holiday it, Bowl. Yeah, but it was the you know it was the uh, the Alamo Bowl presented by Sylvania or you know, the the Hertz Rent a Car. Gator Bowl, like it, it, they still all had sponsors, which I just didn't really remember at that at that point. I, didn't I think, think the Holiday Bowl was BYU and Ohio State. I think so it was. Wasn't I, it? I think you're right. That's what it was. It was was it Wyoming and Kansas State? Wyoming, Kansas State was were playing Sun Bowl. I think. They were playing the game the next day. And yeah, the bowl game that was. Yeah, it was it was very cool to see those old uh, old promos. Uh, other thing that stuck out when it, you know, you mentioned it's seven three going into the fourth quarter. Like we have oh, been yeah. no scoring besides the first two drives until we get to the fourth quarter. After we score. On the great touchdown pass, and it's ten seven. Like I had no, I, I was like, how do we get to eighteen? I, I was trying. I, don't, to, I didn't remember. I was this. trying to think. I'm like, do we do we go for two on accident after scoring the next time? I figured we went. That's what I just assumed we we were going to go for two at some point. I did not remember the. Uh, I was thinking it was yeah. like a fumbled snap on the extra point, and we ended up getting the two point like well, we did against Rutgers, which we ended up. We actually got the you know we scored a safety after we got stopped on the, the fourth and one at the goal line, and then we do score a touchdown, but then fumbled the snap on the How do you not point. do a rollout bootleg with Braum in that situation? Yeah, I, I was I was thinking, I was like, I bet we just run it straight up the gut, and that's 
not going to work. I mean, we Joe Johnson combined for the safety right after that, but yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we get to touch and we missed the extra – well, we didn't miss the extra point, I guess, the snap guy. Yeah. But uh, I, have, I have in my notes here, million drop screens. We did, There were so many swing passes, so many screens where dudes just dropped it because it was so cold and the ball was a little bit slick. But, I mean, Jeff was awesome. What about the, the, the talking about talk, – a little uh, uh, precursor for your Tom Brady days – the balls were deflated because of the weather. They did talk about that. And they, they're yeah. like, they're not stopping the game. They're like, well, it's, it's got to be helpful for Jeff with his hand. I'm like, wouldn't they just like. It was just part of the game. Don't you think yeah. like, today they would have been like, nope, we're pausing this game until we get this fixed. It would be a full-on inquiry. That oh, yeah. It would have been yeah. insane. But uh, it, it was, I mean, <laughs> the, the coverage was great. I was, It was cool to watch. I mean, it was, it very much felt like a modern Iowa Big Ten football game, just the way that it was played. Kind of a, a boring style. We played. We certainly played the more exciting style, but we could not run on them. Jeff was no, really. Yeah, Jeff was off a little bit. He was. He, he was great as far as being a game manager. Took what the defense was giving him. Because uh, Asher, I don't think, caught a pass till the fourth quarter. He did. He dropped one early on. He did. There okay. There's one where he was wide open, and Jeff just. I mean, he mostly targeted Aaron Bailey and, and Dawkins more often than not. It seemed like. But. And then you're. Like, it, it felt like a game. Looking back at it, like. If I'm a Michigan State fan, I'm watching that game and saying, like, how do we lose this game? Like, we yeah, we yeah. controlled things, but you know they had the they had the one tur- the game's one turnover, which was an interception. They had what looked like a fumble at a huge point that went right through their guy's legs. I don't no, know that how was they- that was uh, the uh, uh, Anthony Shellman fumble. Yeah, yeah it went like five how, yards up. I have no idea how they didn't recover that. Uh, you missed a couple missed a short field goal. Got stopped a couple of times when you know they had good drives going. Didn't go for it on fourth and short at like. Louisville's forty a couple of times, which in this day and age would just get you run out of town. It was a it was it was a weird game, but uh, very glad that we won. And props to Jeff Brom. He deserved. I don't know if seeing Brian Dawkins be the player of the game. I think I think he was most impactful of the play, other than Brom maybe. And Ralph. Ralph, honestly. He the thing is like we he he padded his stats a lot late. Like we weren't running the ball at all until the fourth quarter when it was kind of over, and he had a couple of big runs. That's what the winners do. I felt like when they were just destroying us in the run game, Jeff was the only one who was. Getting the offense going, I, I see. Well, why on, on his, on, with his legs more than his, his arms, anything. He, yeah, but he also there's a lot of little crossing routes that we we picked up. I don't know the final players. stats. That would be he probably he was right up there with us leading us in rushing that in that game, wasn't he? Well, I think Dawkins ended up with close to 100 yards because he had the, Did the he? two okay. late runs. They showed the stat late in the fourth quarter where he had like 66 yards receiving and like 85 yards rushing. Nice. Um, but Jeff, yeah, Jeff probably had because he did get sacked a few times and that takes away. Yeah, that's true. But he had he had a couple runs. The, the, the one big scramble he got for like 15 years. Yeah. When I thought he may have got hit laid out of bounds uh, was for a huge first down. I bet he probably had about 35, 40 rushing yards. That's true. Yeah, I forget I about the sacks taken off, yeah. Anyway, so we, we talked long enough. We'll turn it over to you guys. If you have thoughts on the text line, hit us up. 93 Liberty Bowl rewatch. What was your takeaway? Hope you, you did your, your homework, did your assignment. So what do we watch next now? We'll talk about that as well. Okay. Uh, keep it locked right here. Mike Rutherford Show continues here on 1450 and 96.1 The Big X. Oh, Back in, wrapping up hour number two here at the Thursday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show on 1450 961 The Big X. 
hyping up the nostalgia before the TBT tonight Love by nostalgia. talking about the 1993 Liberty Bowl. Louisville's triumph over Michigan State with an injured Jeff Brom at the helm. I'm going to hear from you on the Thornton's text line now about that. So we shared our thoughts for about 40 minutes there. Yeah, we did go talk a lot on that. I feel like these always go longer than you think because they just, you know, once you get going, stuff. Hey, remember that guy? Got Dudes love talking about remember that, remembering that guy, remembering that thing. And that's, oh, and you know how much I love the 90s. You do. That's, you know, it's, you're still stuck there. <laughs> it's a good place to In be. Your mind. You give me the 90s with the internet, oh, life's good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want the 900 number. Like, we, you mentioned that you called one of the sports. Was that the only 900 number you ever called? Yeah, I think I did call like the wrestling ones. Did you call the rest? Did you ever call one of the the dirty talking ones? I've never. No, I've never done that. I, I've, I've done it once or twice. Have you really? Yeah, I did it. Yeah, when I was younger. Yeah, I did it. I was. I, was, I got hey. so much. I got so much trouble for that. Well, yeah. I mean, you're not going to get away. Oh, with it was that. like it was like thirty bucks. Yeah, something like that. It was like thirty, forty, which I mean, still at the time was a lot of money. Even then, I mean, it's it's a long charge. Yeah, man. And I want to say I was like ten or eleven when I did it too. Yeah, I was a curious kid. I was listening to listening to Silk. <laughs> Quick reminder before we go back to the, before we go to the text line, uh, we will give away two tickets for this weekend's Loose City game. This Saturday, the Phil the Fam game. They're trying to set a new attendance record for Loose City match. Uh, we'll give away two tickets for that coming up next hour. We'll go to the text line. We got about eh, nine minutes. We'll get to as many of these as we can. Uh, Texture says, "My late mother never forgave a- Acres for missing those field goals at yeah. the UK game. She swears he did it on purpose because he was from Lexington." <laughs> I mean, I was, I I did I can't, I remember damaging the tendons in my foot. I kicked the the cement a wall. I was so mad we lost that game. I went there with my my neighbor, Miss Proctor. Uh, shout out to her, former seventh grade uh, best seventh grade science teacher at Westport ever had. And uh, yeah, I was just yeah he missed. Because when he, when he got to Philly, I was just like, oh, God, not this guy. Like, <laughs> and he ends up being the best kicker. I mean, yeah, it, it, was, it was crazy because his first year with us, he was only kickoff only. And you're like, this dude has a monster leg. He just has no accuracy. And he spent like one year in NFL Europe, and, and I, I don't know how he learned accuracy over time, but once he learned learned how to be accurate, he was, yeah, take it, uh, Adam Vinatieri, the best kicker of the 2000s. Texas says, I didn't understand watching this game why Louisville receivers were in three-point stances. Were they? I didn't even notice that. Were they? I didn't notice that either. Did, did we just completely overlook this? I mean, it was the again the, the footage was kind of grainy, the but picture, I mean, did you ever it reminded me of a time watching because they had the little like blurred lines. Oh, it was the VHS watching, and yeah. it reminded me of back in the day, like the, all, the VHS players would have that tracking thing, like the little wheel, and you would mm-hmm. have to like move it and get it just right. And I remember my parents could never figure out how to use that. And it was like my big thing. They're like, Michael, fix it. When I'm like six years old, I would get down there. Like, <laughs> they just maybe want to fix off, the, yeah. maybe wanted to fix the tracking. Uh, Everything that that happened, but no, I did not notice that. Texture says, "How it look? look it's another part, very next text. How was Howard able to talk wide receiver recruits in the '90s into setting up in sprinter stances before every snap? It looks so ridiculous. We just we had a, we had a total blind spot for this. We did not notice this at all. And I, I don't want to go back and kind of watch it yet because I did not notice. Maybe I was just too busy looking at like just Brom in the the backfield. I mean, I wasn't paying attention to the receivers." Texas says your 900 number talk takes me back to the Shadow Man hotline covering wrestling. I don't remember what it was called Shadow Man. I just remember the, the WWF and WCW both had numbers. I the hotline. Yeah, yeah, and you can call and listen to the wrestlers. Yeah, or they give you uh, up to uh, see like inside scoops on what might be going on. Texas says hint for Trevor. Booyah. The, <laughs> I was like, talking about Fred Hickman. That was his catchphrase. Oh, oh. 
from CNN. Yeah. Uh, we have back-to-back text saying the same thing, pointing, calling you out for saying, Trevor saying Johnny Unitas marbles were still sharp. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say sharp or shiny? I don't think either one. <laughs> There's this TKism. Not all the marbles are still sharp. No. Marbles are not sharp by nature. Well, you'll know that. I mean, they're, 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 what if it breaks? It's glass. I, mean, I think that's what it's saying is it doesn't have all your marbles. No, all the marbles, this a couple of marbles short. Sure. Texas Ralph Dawkins, the master of taking the screen for the distance. I'm he had a couple of drops too, where he was. You know, just, it was cold. It was cold. Everybody had drops, but he was, he was a difference maker in the fourth quarter for sure. Dawkins was the man. Ralph Dawkins was the man. I also noticed, you know, all of our guys are. They're wearing the old school long, kind of like the puffy long sleeves, like the normal long sleeves from back in the nineties. I don't know if you noticed this. The Michigan State players, especially on offense, almost all of them were just going short sleeve. It was like a because you know, there was the talk. They, the announcers both said at the beginning of the game. I guess the coach, the Michigan State coaches and players, had talked about how they're not going to be worried about the cold because you know, they're from Michigan. They're used to this. Like they're built for this. It felt like one of those like mental deals where you're trying to put it out there that like. The cold doesn't affect us at all. Look at us. We're wearing short sleeves. We're fine. How'd that work out for you? I just want to, you tell me the, the Spartans raged on. Cold didn't bother them anyway. Did <laughs> <Stop>. say <laughs> focus on one GD point today? I don't know why. I just right where my mind just went. Because <laughs> I guess this is the cold that I was... Is it bad at this point? I didn't see enough mid '90s old school midriff Greg Brom jerseys. Yeah, Dawkins and Bailey had the, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Didn't have the, the the usual midriffs going. But you've nothing legitimate to add to the conversation. No, nothing, nothing to add. No. Texas thirty dollars to forty dollars only. TK, you must not have lasted very long. No, no, I did not. <laughs> was it like eleven, like ten, eleven? How long would you have lasted? I, I, she said hello, and I was like, yeah, "Good, I'm gonna say done." Yeah. <laughs> Is this Trevor? That's wow. all I needed. I don't think I've had any idea what to do at eleven. <laughs> Texter says, uh, "Credible insider, Midnight Rambler, dropped this bomb moments ago." I guess this is Florida State. Uh, there are, I, I love like the there have been breaking news reports today. Florida State's trying to leave the ACC. We know they've been trying to leave for like two years. We've. The issue is whether or not they can. they got to get the grant of rights thing going. But the Midnight Rambler says Florida State can't do this alone, but they can do it with a quorum of at least seven other schools that vote to dissolve the conference. The grant of right is only meant to prevent a single school from leaving all of the others. The mechanism for leaving would be enough for members to vote to do so. That would mean that each member voting would already have a landing spot. I would look for us in the Big 12 when the dust settles. I, yeah, I take any sort of conference realignment rumor for what it's worth, which is absolutely nothing. <laughs> absolutely nothing. Texas, I think TK is thinking of not the sharpest knife in the drawer or not the sharpest tool in the shed. My faves are sandwich shy of a full picnic basket <laughs> and the elevator doesn't reach the top floor. Uh, I've never used the sandwich picnic basket one, but I think I've used the elevator before. Those are all good. I know I was going with it. I was I was trying to get there. You always, I mean, I, I always know what you're trying to say. My things are like, you know, like following a GPS map. Like, it, it'll... It, it may be a scenic route, but you'll get there eventually. You just need a verbal autocorrect. <laughs> that doesn't work too well when I do voice recognition. Because you're me. always in the vicinity. You, you, to the point where I know what you're trying to say, 
And I think now I don't even recognize when you're wrong. Like it just my, my brain just automatically. You start even paying. People are going insane on the, on the text line. Like, did you hear what he said, Mike? It happens more and more. You're like, like, oh yeah, no. I'm like, yeah, I caught it, but I knew what he was talking about, so we just moved on. If we didn't, we'd be <laughs> doing this every five minutes. <laughs> like, go back and listen to the early parts of the shows. Which is yeah, <laughs> you're not wrong. Uh, it is a. By the way, you mentioned just slightly Joe Burrow earlier. Yes. What's up? Uh, apparently, according to the Bengals, now this is uh, he will be probably sell most of the preseason. It is a calf injury, not anything Achilles or ACL related. Well, that's good. That's that's better than what it sounds like when you hear lower right leg injury and being carted off. I mean, yeah, and I I can not be surprised if you don't see him at all prior during the preseason. Why would you? I wouldn't even really have Jamar Chase or anybody out there either, to be honest with you. Um, I'll tell you what. We've got about a minute left. Let's go ahead and give away these tickets for Lucity. How's, how's that sound? Okay. Uh, it's Lucity. Fill the fam weekend. They're, they've done this the last couple of years. It's worked out very well. They want to set a new attendance record at Lynn Family Stadium this weekend. Uh, they're going to be hosting... The Indy 11. It's their big new rival. It's the new Cincy, uh, FC Cincinnati since they made the move up to the MLS. Indy 11 has emerged as our new big-time rival. So Saturday, July 29th, 8 p.m. kickoff, we're going to give away two free tickets to the first person to correctly answer uh, this question. We want to make you, you, you need to work for it. We gave you, you an assignment. We want to reward the, the people who did their homework here. So in the 1993 Liberty Bowl game that we're talking about, the game was broadcast live on ESPN. Name one of the announcers. Any one of the announcers. I don't think I can. I don't pay attention that much. 502-414-1450. The first person to correctly text in the, the answer is going to win two tickets to tomorrow's Louisville City FC game. Just name. This is probably the toughest one we've done. Because, yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't paying well, that close. I knew one of them. I mentioned one of them earlier. So if you were really listening, you would have caught that. But I feel like one of the names I have in my mind, and we'll uh, – we'll, uh, but. The, the the thing is like opposed to the day. Nice. Opposed to like we mentioned the differences of watching a game back there we then. Go. We got a winner. Watching one now, like nowadays, you, the announcers are are mentioned and shown on all the time, multiple occasions. Yeah, and this one, I don't think they ever showed the announcers once during the broadcast. Did they, they didn't. Uh, but it was Ron Franklin. Who's still? I think still doing. The other one was the one I was thinking of. Mike Godfrey, who I did not, I do not remember at all. Because I was thinking, then, isn't that the basketball guy? That's Mark Godfrey. Oh, okay. That's where I was confused. I was like, wow, he's doing basketball and. And then Donald. Adrian Carson was the sideline reporter who was. Who I remembered, yeah. He uh, died. Oh, did he? Oh yeah, but back in like 2005. Oh, I didn't know that. I'm pretty I, sure he killed himself. That I remember he was involved. He he did. He was involved with. Uh, like they did, like they used to do, like a, a, a trivia show on there, like before the two minute drill type. They did like this, like weird different trivia show, and he was part of it. I remember. I the only thing I remember about him is not know that. That's one crazy. of those early, like, early two thousands. He did a, a thing where he went to the very top of the carrier dome and like looked down through like the hole at the, at the very top, and that always stuck with me. He was always doing. They had him doing kind of crazy stuff like that before it was really in vogue. Before it became like the sideline reporter thing. Uh, he he's, he always wore the suspenders. He always stuck out to me. But uh, Ron Franklin, Adrian Carson, and Mike Godfrey were the announcing crew. Uh, thanks to the winner here, I'm going to shoot you your. Let me do this real quick, and we'll get you the tickets because we got to do this fast. Bam. Okay, done. All right, that's hour number two. Five o'clock hours up next. We'll talk conference realignment, and we'll get you ready for the TBT conference realignment madness is back. How does it affect Louisville? If you got rumors out there from 
message board insiders, feel free to pass them along, and we'll keep doing that. Uh, Mike Rutherford Show rolls on after this here on 1450 and 961, The Big X. You know what's historical about this video? I don't. The uh, the great uh, montage of dance scene when because it's telling the story about a group of hookers that, that go with union on their on their pimps and get try to break away from the pimps. Did not know that. I did, did it is. That's what Pat Benatar plays this. I like that. And when they're fighting off their pimps, the lead pimp, by the way, is the guy who wears the white jacket in the bad video. <laughs> you remember, do you remember him? Uh, no. Oh, yeah. yeah he like kind of like, kind of raised Ramon look. How do you know these things? <laughs> I, just, I remember this video. So the video is introduced us that would become famous in the, in the 90s as well. The shimmy. The, uh, the, uh, the little shoulder shimmy? Shoulder shimmy. That's what, when Benatar and them are like backing up the pimps, that's what they do. They do like the uh, forward shimmy dance. There'd never been a shoulder shimmy before that. I don't, not that I'm aware of. They started the shimmy. And then, of course, it would be popularized by Mark Jackson and stolen by Antoine Walker. And, everybody did it. And everybody does it now, yeah. Anyone but, with. But Mark Jackson was the first like athlete, I think, of doing it back in the early 90s with the Pacers especially. He would he would do the back. I mean, he and backing the other guards up, they, that's when they made the five-second backup rule as well. He was jacking Pat Benatar's swag. He was jacking Pat, yeah. Swag jacking. That's, that's so, so if you're ever out there and you're trying to get rid of someone, specifically a pimp, just do the shimmy and back him up against the wall. Boom, over. Over, it's done. He, the guy drops a knife. He's like, I'm out. How can I compete with this? <laughs> Come on, what's the, I mean, it's a Pat Benatar video. I mean, he did as a kid when we were kids. We watched MTV for music videos. Other than you know, now they watch it for ridiculous or ridiculous, whatever it's called. But ridiculousness, ridiculousness. Now you know. Then we watched it for videos. So close. You're always close. I'm so right there. Watch them. I'd be like, look up the facts of that video. I was like, wasn't the guy from the bad video? <laughs> it's somebody's. He was from. He was from probably, probably another Michael Jackson video. He was from the Break It video. <laughs> if we had a stat boy. Like they didn't used to have back oh, in the good day on, Lord. on the interruption. We have to save the last 25 minutes of the show for, for like, Stat Boy, tell us where we're wrong. He's like, oh, boy. Well, <laughs> like Trevor said in uh, in minute five that uh, it's like it was actually. Week, week, week th- day, day three of the show. Let's go to Stat Boy. Stat Boy? And there's just, like, a note that says, I quit. He's dead. <laughs> He's gone. <laughs> It is. I saw today out trending on Twitter. It's National Intern Day. We didn't have an intern this year. Uh, Jenna didn't come back. Um, we, I think we had a couple of requests. interns get a day now. Yeah, it was that Intern Day last year where we had it. And this year we have no interns, so we can. I don't know. We, I could have gotten scoots like a cake or something. <laughs> Not an intern, but I called him an intern a couple times. Who did we haven't had interns since? I guess yeah. Patrick's getting paid now, so he's not really an intern. Jenna's the last one we had. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna know what she's doing. I haven't talked to her in forever. 
She sent us a group text. Of oh, that's back. right. She did. I was, I was, yeah. That was when I went out when I was out of town. Yeah. The voice. You just didn't respond to it. I for because I completely forgot. I remember seeing it now and, and it's crushed it, a little heart. <laughs> I still got her uh, her metal straw she gave me. I see it over there. And at one point out out in California, I, I got I got something somewhere, and they gave me a a paper straw, and I, I I flipped my lid and thought about you and Jenna, and how much I hate the the damn turtles. And then yeah, that's right. <laughs> Screw Back that. in the good old days. <laughs> like, how many more? How many times again? Are, are the Ninja Turtles going to hold the record for most movies remade? Is there another one coming? There's another like animated one coming out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like every year we got to do a new Turtles movie. I, I stopped it. Secret of the Ooze. <laughs> I didn't even I stopped after the first live action one. When Bebop and Rocksteady were out, I was done. <laughs> Very underrated Ninja Turtle characters, by the way. Great characters. But when they were done, I was done. Yeah, I, I'd have to agree on that one. All right, let's talk uh, conference alignment. We have because we no. have we'll talk TBT at the end of this hour and get you ready for tonight's game at eight o'clock. Uh, we we we've, we've discussed everything else, so it's time to talk conference alignment. Ah, right. I think we all knew. After the the USC and UCLA moves and, and the Oklahoma and Texas moves, the question became, what's the next shoe to drop? Because it's not a matter of if the realignment wheels were going to keep turning, it was when. And I think that everyone's kind of been just waiting. What does the Big 12 do? What does the ACC do? Does the Pac-12 just go away? Does the SEC add more? Does the Big 10 add more? And we found out yesterday, like pretty much right when we got off the air, that the latest shoe to drop is Colorado is going back to the Big 12. <laughs> How long have they, have they been in Pac-12 what, uh, since? I want to say like 11 or 12 years probably. Has it been to, yeah, I was going to say around 2010, I think. I, think I still right. think of them as a Big 12 school almost. They're, they're one of the, the – yeah, I know it takes a long time for everybody to adjust to schools being in different conferences. They're one that I just never adjusted to. I, didn't I still did think I. Colorado, I still think Big 12. Like you should yep. be playing – you should be playing a Big 12 game against Nebraska on the day after Thanksgiving every year. Missouri, That's, who's not even in the Big 12 anymore. Missouri's another one that just I, I yeah. would never think of as SEC. A&M, for whatever reason, I've had a better chance, time adjusting, to them being in the SEC. Missouri just, it's not SEC country. There's nothing south about Missouri. Yeah, I guess A&M a little bit, because they were, they were also late additions from the Southwest Conference into the Big, the Big 8. Oddly, I feel like I've had no problem adjusting to Rutgers being in the Big 10. Just because they've always been a doormat wherever they've gone, they've been a doormat in the Big Ten. Maryland, it's been a Maryland. Little bit tougher. I still can't get over it. I, I'll still screw up Maryland, saying ACC sometimes. Probably, I would say out of all the schools that have left recently, or the, Nebraska as well, the ones that I, I had the toughest time adjusting with were Missouri, Colorado, Nebraska, and then Utah. I still don't see it as like a Pac-12. Like that's, that's I don't weird. either. Yeah, but uh, you know, Pac-12 may cease to exist here soon. Nothing's but, weirder than when you go in Missouri and you get the big billboard near Columbia. It says "Welcome to SEC Country." country. There's just, nothing SEC about it. No, far from it. So we had the, the news yesterday that Colorado is going back to the Big 12. Following that report was the, a report saying another Pac-12 school is posturing trying to make itself the latest school to join the Big 12 after. And a lot of people are thinking that it's Oregon. I mean, there have been a lot of reports that maybe um, some other schools are going to try to make the jump from where they are right now. One of the hot things is the the four corner states. The four corner states, yeah, you've you've got that. Which is Colorado is one of them. You've got um, now people talking about the, the, the ACC news is Florida State is actively trying to leave. Can, you know, FSU, Miami, and Clemson bandy together and get this grant of rights still dissolved. Um, it's, I, I feel like what's going to wind up happening is one of two things. 
as far as the AC is concerned, the ACC is either going to stand pat and let the Big 12 expand to what, 15, 16 teams along with the, the SEC and the Big 10, and we're going to say 14 is fine for us. We're, we're still good. We like our 14. Our team is on the floor. Or <laughs> nice work, guys, Paul. they're going to try to pick off a couple of, of the Pac-12 schools and just get to 16 because Notre Dame's not coming here. We know that. It's, it's not happening. Well, they're, they're here, but they're not. They're here, but they're not, and they're never going to be in football. <laughs> if they join anybody in football, it's going to be the Big Ten. It's like me having a, having a conversation with me. I mean, he's here, but he's not. And we are in such a unique situation because this, no, no other conference has anything like the grant of rights deal, which was meant initially to ensure that all members had security. It, it, it goes through 2036. It's like $100 million to buy out of. And the thought process was we've just gone through this, this crazy helping of conference realignment where everyone felt like they were on unstable ground and, and the conference was shaky and all this stuff. And now let's, let's lock everybody down. And at the time, everybody was good with it because we didn't see this mega conference thing being on the horizon. And now – you see our, our, our terrible TV deal with ESPN, which was just, I mean, just the dumbest thing that any conference commissioner has done in the last 50 years. And you see the, the amount of, did the Big Ten signing a billion-dollar contract? You see this, this landscape in football shifting to the point where it's going to be the Big Ten, the SEC, and everybody else for spots to get in the 12-team playoff. And... The football powers, especially in the ACC, are panicking. The schools that have the big money behind them, that have the biggest brands, they're saying, we need to get out. We need to make moves. We need to do something. And I think the ACC, their response is going to be like, well, you agreed to this grant of rights deal. If you want to get out, you have to find $100 million. And it's, <laughs> it, it's kind of an unbreakable deal. So I don't think that this whole, we're going to get eight teams together to dissolve the conference is going to happen I also don't think that you're going to get teams that are able to get out of this GR. I think the the I bet the ACC, when all said and done, they're going to wait for the Big 12 to add a couple more schools. They're going to see how the dust settles, and I think in a year they're going to go after a couple of Pac-12 schools or a couple of the big schools that are like maybe Memphis. Don't don't think Memphis. Well, here's a question. Or a couple of the other big programs that are still lingering out there in purgatory. Uh, and and I, well, who that might be is is a question too. I mean, the, the Pac-12 is talking about adding. Tulane and some other schools. I mean, the Pac-12 is just on life support. Yeah, I mean, you're, you, I mean, you're, you're really grasping straws when you go for Tulane. I mean, come on. I mean, well, we did that with the Big. That's when you knew the Big East was done. Was when we, yeah, I mean, we added Tulane for a day like, and a half. Like I saw Tulane's name mentioned with like SMU and and, and San Diego State and like I, I mean SMU. You know, they bring at least the Dallas. I guess Tulane brings the, the New Orleans market. I mean, like I can't, I can't even one of the things that yeah they don't. I mean, Ron Hunter's the basketball coach. He's not doing anything. The football team, like, is like Sean King away from like being successful. I mean, so I I don't know. I mean, who do you, if you who who in the Pac-12 would you even go after? Because if you do wait a year, I mean, you got it. You're chancing the fact that your you know your other, your other three big your other three corner states are gone, which is Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah. For those that don't know. You still have Oregon and Washington. And, then, and I was going to say, and then there, but there's a good chance like Oregon and Washington are gone too, though. And I don't think that they're coming to the ACC. Because the Big 12 has talked about Oregon as well. The Big 10 has too. I mean, I mean, the, yeah, the, the, well, that or, makes sense. It's a, it's a state school. I mean, or the SEC looking to counter the Big 10 getting under the West Coast market. Bringing going after in, the either one of those, yeah. And Oregon's the biggest cash cow out there right now. 
because they've got the Nike yeah. money, they've got the success, they've got the football program, they've got the brand. I mean, outside that, you're just schools that are just pushing your market, which is like Washington, Seattle, Tulane, New Orleans, I guess. If you want to feel confident SMU about, Dallas. about where Louisville sits, I think that in all of the hypotheticals that I've read, and everybody's just don't. I mean, there's so little legitimate reporting going on right now. Everybody's just throwing. Other than Colorado's a done deal, right? Exactly. Yeah. Besides that, like everyone's just guessing. Most people are just guessing, but most of the guessing has all involved if the ACC does collapse, if some schools are able to get out of the grant of the rights, or or if they dissolve the conference. The Big Twelve seems like it's gonna welcome Louisville with open arms. It seems like it's a logical thing. Um, I, I mean, Louisville is for all of its struggles in the two major spotlight sports the last few years still as of last year the third biggest revenue producer in the entire acc it still is the a, a top well, i think they still are, are the number one revenue producer in men's basketball they have enough of a football history that they'd be beneficial to the big 12 they've got built-in rivalries with other schools that are already in the big 12 namely west virginia and, and cincinnati like i think that we would be a difficult option for that league to pass up and we also the schools that the league has added recently have all most of them have helped them in football but they're bigger names in basketball we fit that as well because you've got kansas over there who's like i mean i'm glad everything's happening for 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 football but we are a basketball first program we need to make sure that the league is still competitive in that sport louisville kansas would be something that hopefully when we get back to being good at basketball would uh would make everybody excited but (laughs) I don't think that the, you know you've got UK fans out there who are like yeah you're gonna be in the Sun Belt in a few years you're gonna be in the MAC. I, I'm not terrified that we're gonna find ourselves in a, a terrible situation. I think we're either going to be in the ACC or the Big Twelve. I don't think there's any chance that we go to the SEC or the Big Ten unless no, they expand to the like SEC. 24 teams. Yeah. I don't think Kentucky would ever allow it or the SEC would ever allow it. But I do think that we'll wind up in one of those conferences that is competing to be the third best in sports, which is not the worst place in the world to be in. And, it, and when we talk about that. Especially when you're talking about a conference playing for third best in a, in, a, in a world where there's probably maybe only five conferences left. Yeah, and, and when you talk about that, like all of that discussion, like the those clearly the top. It's all about football, right? The like the ACC. If if this continues, let's say that the the Big Ten and the SEC and the Big Twelve just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and they add some more schools, and the Pac-12 goes away. Like the ACC still in most years should be the best basketball conference in America because you've still got Duke, you've still got UNC, you've still got Louisville, you've still got all these programs with all this tradition. Now they haven't been recently, but we need some. The league needs to get its mojo back a little bit. Like it should still be a fine basketball conference. It still should be a great baseball conference. Women's basketball should be fine. All the sports where it's been a perennial powerhouse should not be affected. Football is where you fall behind, and football is where. I mean, I guess if you want to argue the monetary loss that you would have by falling so far behind in football would trickle down to affect all these other sports, I can buy that argument. Case in point, NC State has had its best baseball players the, the last two years poached by big-time SEC schools because they've got more money. Yeah. Um, I mean, you had Tommy Tanks go to LSU this year and basically help win them a national well, title. Well, pretty much LSU's entire team was bought off the transfer portal. And, and if, they, if those schools The number one keep, pick was like Air, like from Air Force or something. All of them. Yeah. Like, if SEC schools keep just making an ungodly amount of money primarily because of football, then, yeah, that's – I mean, look at what SEC basketball has done recently. They've become a good conference because they've invested in facilities and they've gotten really good head coaches who are really good at getting players down there. They like if I guess if you want to argue that's going to keep happening, then it's going to affect all these sports, and maybe it already has. I can buy that. But assuming that's not the case, assuming that basketball programs and, and – uh, 
other programs that have been historically successful are able to sustain themselves. This should be a huge deal for football only. I think we could still be in a, a fine spot for every other sport. It, it's just it's a little bit scary because you just I mean you never know what's going to happen next. Nobody thought that this USC UCLA thing was going to happen. So what what else is going to happen that nobody sees coming? I mean Godfrey and those and and, and, and announcers knew it back in '93 though. <laughs> they did. Super he, I mean, he guy. said, he's like, do we really want a super conference of nothing but ACC and SEC? And I think he said, maybe said the Big Eight, but at the time, that was a different different concept of going to like the super conference of only allowing like 80 teams and kicking the independence out. But I mean, it's, yeah, I just, I, don't, I, hate, I hate this conference. It's, it's so annoying. It's, I, just, I just want to get back to the games. Like, just. I mean, it, and it's it's not it's not ruining it's not ruin. I, I don't want to be over the top. Like it's ruining the the great the, what, what what great made college sports great or you know nil is what's ruining it. It, it. Neither ruining it, but the realignment stuff it definitely is is taking away some of the things that made so because the rivalries are what made college sports. As much as anything, and I don't get, I'm, I'm not falling for the amateurism stuff. That's whatever, but like you know, seeing you know Missouri and, and Kansas go at it, or you know, just the the the, the local rivalries in the conferences and in the growing up and hating the teams that you hated, like we did with the Metro Conference teams in Florida State, Memphis State, and Cincinnati, and you know, I know that in some cases you have to you know move on like the Metro, but. I mean, we 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 UCLA moved around Nebraska so much. Nebraska is going to be a Big Ten. Yeah, I mean, game. it's just stupid. It's I mean, ridiculous. UCLA Rutgers is going to be a conference game. Yeah, I mean, that's that's again not ruining anything, but it's definitely putting some mustard on an already really good hot dog. I think the that doesn't need it. The good thing is the postseason. Actually, will, that would ruin it. But the, the postseasons will be largely unaffected. Like the tournaments will still be the tournament. The process of getting there, though. Is going to be a little bit more. What this does, we've always known. I'm thinking more football as we, much we, as basketball. We've always too, known that this has revolved around money. Like that's, oh yeah, that, that's not news. The lie that we've always loved to tell ourselves as sports fans, like you just don't, you don't want to think about it while the games are actually going on, right? No. I mean, we know that there's, the, you know, there's some awful people that are involved in all this. But when we're sitting down and we're watching, you know, we're getting away from whatever's going on in our lives for two or three hours. We just want to focus on the competition and. The, the grand conference championship race and the playoff race and the NCAA tournament bracket projections and all that stuff, what this does is makes it unavoidable, impossible to not just be smacked in the face constantly with how much this revolves around money. When you're watching, like I said, UCLA Rutgers playing a conference basketball game in Piscataway, New Jersey on a Wednesday night on the Big Ten Network, it's impossible not to watch that and be like, this is, is weird. <laughs> it's, it's, I, I can't suspend my disbelief to, to a point where I can't just recognize how weird this is and be fully aware of what's going on and how we got to this place. It just like, I, don't, I know some people get off on the conference realignment. They think it's fun. to. I don't. I, I don't like any part of it. I like the actual competition. I, want, I just want this thing to stabilize, and then we can move on from there. It's, it's, especially when your favorite team is on shaky ground perpetually. Like we're never. I thought we made the move to the ACC. Finally, like we're safe. I thought we made the move to the Big East back in the day. Finally, I thought yeah. we're safe. And and it's just you're getting to the point now where it's just you're realizing more and more you're, you're never going to be safe. Nobody's safe. I mean, we watch we watch Colorado leave big leave the Big Twelve for more money in the Pac twelve, and then bounce on the Pac twelve for more money in the Big Twelve. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, Deion Sanders is in a perfect place because that's I mean. 
Then again, it is Colorado. I mean, it's not a Bill McCarthy and all their their crookedness that they their whole program history. I mean, what a shock! Yeah. Uh, a couple texts from you guys here before we wrap this segment. Five zero two four one four fourteen fifty is the Thornton's text line. Texas says the ACC should have acted faster, in my opinion. The day that Texas and Oklahoma announced they were leaving the Big Twelve, the ACC should have gone on offense and immediately invited a few other members of the Big Twelve. I don't know if you could have gotten members of the Big Twelve though. Like, who, who would you have gone after? Who, who would be willing? To yeah, you were already losing to the Big Twelve when with West Virginia and company. I, mean, I think the Big Twelve with their TV contracts and the, the the schools that they have, I think they feel like they're on solid, more solid footing than we are. Well, at that at that point when the original stuff did, yeah, for they were definitely with because they had Texas and Oklahoma. But now where they're at, I mean, I don't, I don't know why the Big Twelve would think be so confident. I wouldn't be as cocky as I would be if I'm the Big Twelve. I would still be, I mean, maybe not Pac-12 nervous, but I'd be kind of ACC level nervous. That like you know, listen, we're we literally just lost our two cornerstone football programs to the SEC. I mean. I think what you, what's their top football program now? Was it Oklahoma State? That's what I was going to say. I think top to bottom, you can argue they're just as good, if not better, than the ACC. What they don't have is a Clemson or a, what we hope to have like with Florida State this year. Like they don't you, they don't have a dominant powerhouse that can win a national title. I don't think. I mean, TCU just played in the, in the championship game. I get it, but they lost by a billion points. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just I just don't. You, you got to have yeah, and even Clemson. I mean, it's Clemson's Oklahoma State. It's really, I mean. In terms of the fan base, Oklahoma State's probably they're about even, wouldn't you say? Now, yeah, success. Clemson's bigger. You, you, I mean, I'm not saying success. I'm talking about like the the passion of the I fan think base. Bigger, yeah. Even the money, though. I mean, Oklahoma State's got a lot of cash. Oklahoma State's got money, but I think that the overall strength of the the, the fan base. I mean, I mean Clemson you know, sells out that 120 thousand seat stadium. Or I, mean, whatever I it is wouldn't be shocked Carolina. Oklahoma State didn't either, though. I don't think they do. They might not. You you could. I'm not. I think their stadium only holds like 80 or something. Really? I would think. Yeah. Let's see. I would think Pickens would have bought a bigger stadium by this point. Well, he did pass away. Their average attendance is fifty-four thousand. No, oh, okay, so yeah, they're like not, us. yeah, that's nothing. Kind yeah. of. I mean, they're uh, like us at our best. Yeah, that's not even close. Well, I think they're probably more rabid than we are, but that's because that's their primary sport. Our stadium holds more more fans than theirs. Does. Really? Yeah. Well, I'm surprised at that. I give them a little more credit than I guess they deserved. But I mean, like this year. They've got a nice football. I mean, they got a football history. I mean, I think that's the issue with the Big Twelve is you've got Oklahoma State. It's a fine program. TCU's been good. Baylor's been fine. K State has its moments. Texas Tech, has, like you don't have a, you don't have a powerhouse anymore. No, you've got a lot of bridesmaids and no brides. Exactly, which that that, that makes it tough for them. But basketball, they should be fine. Every other sport, they should be fine. Um, but that's why I don't think I don't know why they're so like warm and cozy, thinking they're going to be okay. I mean, and bringing in Colorado is not going to suddenly make that all better. No, because Colorado's just adding. They're going for strength in numbers, and they're trying to emphasize the fact that they've got a better TV contract. They're bringing in more money well, yeah, than that. we are. They're they're a big. We have to. They're a bigger revenue producer right now than we are, which is an issue, and that's why. I mean, I don't know where the talk went from Jim Phillips that he had last year, where he was so confident about being able to renegotiate his TV deal with ESPN. It was like both sides seemed to indicate that it was a done deal, and now just nobody brings it up anymore. They've got to get more money out of that TV deal because, look, the Big Ten's got a billion-dollar deal right now. They're going to re-up for more money before we even have a chance to renegotiate our current deal, which doesn't run out for another 13 years. It's just so so idiotic, so dumb. Texter says, uh, as soon as Texas and Oklahoma – oh, this is uh, – Texas says two happier things. 
I need a day when Trevor reviews Barbie and Oppenheimer. They're both great. <laughs> I'm going to watch them both. Don't worry. I, I'm not going to pay those streaming prices. i gotta wait. I got to wait a little bit. Sorry. It says, also, if they play a volleyball game at Freedom Hall, it's must-see. The Elite Eight game was crazy and perfect. I, I went to the one at the Yum Center, the Elite Eight game at the Yum Center this past year, but I did not go to the one at Freedom Hall two years ago. But I heard the environment was awesome. I, I, those volleyball games are great. Like, the fans are into it. It's, it's nonstop action. Like, it's a it's a really cool environment if you've never been. Highly, highly recommend it. Uh, Texture says, and then we'll go to break here. Since you brought up Matt Painter, did you see Purdue is playing Gonzaga in the first round of Maui? Considering their long history of losses against mid-majors and tourneys, that would be a concerning matchup if I was a Boilermakers fan. Yeah, it's early in the season. They're going to hate it. That Maui bracket looks, it's loaded. I told you when I was in uh, New Orleans and eating at a restaurant, I was eating a po' boy and look up and there's Matt Painter sitting at the table next to me. I'm sure nobody recognized him. Nobody did. I didn't even. I'll be hand up. I didn't even recognize him. My buddy was like, "I think that's Matt Painter." <laughs> and I was like, "Look at him." I was like, "I think it is too." And I kind of. I didn't. I didn't go full like uh, Dicky's Donuts. I was like, "Matt, <clears throat> Matt." <laughs> <laughs> he never looked up. <laughs> it was loud. No, that was like a. Full, it was like it was on Bourbon Street. It was one of those old school houses turned into a restaurant, which is really cool. Because I love going to those. Cause I'm sitting there thinking like. Dude, 100 years ago, like, people were like, this is a family room. Like, now we're sitting there eating, like, you know, really, like, uh, good sandwiches. I did that with Tick Rogers one time at Drake's. <laughs> Dick, Dick, Dick. My buddy's like, I think Dick. I was like, Dick. And he came over and he talked to us for, like, half an hour. Nice. <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. <laughs> Dick. Dick. It was absolutely Dick. I was like, I was like, that's not Dick Rogers. He's like, it was Danny who always recognizes semi-celebrities out in public, and he's like, he's like, I guarantee that's Dick Rogers. And I was just drunk enough to be like, Dick. My buddy Bach was like, he's really good faces. He remembers everybody. Yeah. Shout out to Dick Rogers. He's the one that called me out when I was like, I'm pretty sure that's Razor Rondo. He's like, it's not Rondo, dude. I'm like, Are you sure? He's like, yes. Texture says the same thing with the Big 12 is going to happen. They get to re-up their TV deal again before the ACS chance to. Do they really? We, everybody does. We, we've got to, and these, these are conferences that just signed new ones. Did we sign it in purgatory? It was just <laughs> absolutely ridiculous, and it's got to get fixed if, if they're going to have any chance of surviving here. All right, we'll take our last break. When we come back, more text from you guys, and then we'll look ahead to tonight's TBT match uh, against Jackson, Tennessee underdogs, 8 o'clock. Is a tip-off time. We'll get you ready for Bad that. Bad news for Jackson. Keep it locked right here. More Rutherford Show is next here on 
Daddy's hell turned fast. All the things he couldn't say. Bring it back in. Final segment here. Ooh. She's a little runaway. Thursday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show here on 14th. First ever Bon Jovi single. Was it really? Yeah. And 96 won the Big X. Uh, I've not mentioned this yet today, and we'll get to the text line here in a second. 502-414-1450. I watched soccer again last night. Did you? I, <laughs> the, the women's game? The, I, the women's national team. I, for, I, I saw it on. I just completely forgot. I got caught up in this uh, American Gladiators documentary on Netflix. So. It happens. But yeah. they're, they're taking on the Netherlands. Rematch of the 2019 World Cup final. And the first big test for this women's team, which is looking. To, I, I didn't realize this until I heard it during the match last night. No team on the men's or women's side has ever won three consecutive World Cups. And the U.S. has won back-to-back women's World Cups. So if they win this year, they'll be huh. quite literally making history for the sport, which would be pretty awesome. But it's looking more In more men's or women's? Men's or women's. Never happened. Nobody's ever won three straight World Cups. So back-to-back has happened. I think Brazil did it at least back-to-back once. Back-to-back has definitely happened. Yeah. A couple of countries, and now the women have won. I'm kind of surprised we haven't won three straight. I think we... I kind of am, too. I thought we'd win. When did we... Because the 92, the brain just in, that was like the first one, wasn't it? Well, that was 99. Was that not? God, that was 99. Wasn't, yeah. that, wasn't that the first Women's World Cup, though? No, but it was wasn't the first not? one that gained, like, big time. Well, I mean, it's the first one I know, yeah. They hyped that one up because it, it was in America, and they, you know, they had the whole, I remember the whole uh, campaign at the beginning was like, Mr. President, please, when we play in the World Cup final, like, be in attendance. Will you be in attendance? They, they, the whole thing, well, they were, like, begging Bill Clinton to come. But I think that was, like, the third or fourth. Women's World Cup. Uh, 91, so yeah, it would have been the third. Yeah. The third one. And we've won at least four. I just, yeah, I, I thought we just, I thought, no, I mean, I just figured we were dominating every year, to be honest with you. But this is, this is looking more and more like, because people were saying this is going to be the toughest one of the last three years. We haven't won since 2003. So what? We haven't won it. No, that's the 10 We've won the last two. I was going to say, yeah, I'm sorry, I got caught up looking at We won wrong. in 2015 yeah. and we won in 2019. So they're looking to win three straight. Yeah, they. It's looking more and more like this is going to be tough. I mean, it's, it's a new era of women's soccer, and the, the old era that the holdovers are, are looking, not like their younger selves as, as they're playing. And, and yesterday was kind of, last night was a testament to that. Netherlands were in control. U.S. had a bunch of chances in the second half, and it could only equalize. So they, they tied one one. One of the crazy things about soccer to me is, there's never a consensus amongst soccer people about who's playing well. Which I don't think you can – doesn't happen in any other sport. So Savannah DeMello, racing Louisville's own, she started second straight game, which was cool. She was getting absolutely just destroyed by the Netherlands, like physically. Like they were just kicking her ass. Like she, really? she drew like five fouls. Every time she touched the ball, she just got body slammed. And so I was like, am I seeing things? Like this should be – so I Twitter searched her name to see what other people were saying about her. And I was struck by how many just differing opinions there were in like back to back texts. Like there are tweets or zeets, whatever they are now. There, there are people, <laughs> you'd see like DeMello is the only person controlling the midfield for the U.S. right now. And the next one's like, DeMello is absolute trash. Get her out of here. It's like, DeMello is playing a class game. DeMello is the worst player on the team. Yeah, I, I don't think there's another sport where there's just that much left. To the imagination, you know, in baseball, if you go 0 for four with four strikeouts, there's nobody who's like he's playing great. If you, you know, if you are Golden Sombrero, if you're one for twelve from three in a basketball game, there aren't people who are like he's shooting the hell out of it tonight. It's I don't just, know. Kobe did that in the game, the MVP award. But, but you, you see what I'm saying? Like this is the only sport where I feel like there's just <laughs> like there's just no consensus on who's playing well and who's playing poorly. 
uh, which is is odd to me. But I enjoy watching it. I'm excited to watch them play. I think the, the next game is like at 3 a.m., I think. It's, it's late. Where are they playing it at? It's in uh, New Zealand, Australia. I see that, yeah. USA has been in the championship game this uh, three, last three times. It looks so they like. lost in 2011? We lost in – it looks like we got beat in 2011. Maybe we lost in, uh, to Japan. To Japan, yeah, in the kicks. Uh, we finished in the top three every World Cup. We won the first, then came in third in the second, won the fourth, 99. Uh, third, back-to-back uh, – Germany won it back-to-back in 0307. Oh, we came in third, and then the last three, yeah, we uh, – we lost to Japan, and then we beat Japan, and then we beat the Netherlands uh, in 19. Japan's looking good again this year. England's looking good this year. Netherlands are going to be tough. We meet them again in the knockout stages. And England's going to win the Women's World Cup before they win the men's again. I picked, that was my pick in my bracket. The men's, what year did the men's last win the England World Cup? It was 1950? 1960, close. 60, I knew it was a whole other. That was one of my Sports Jeopardy trivia questions when I went to try out. It's coming home. That's what they said. All right, Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. <laughs> it's, it's coming home. Uh, Texture says, we'll go back to some of the beginning ones. Kevin Stallings, a.k.a. the real-life Kevin Malone, definitely not one of the best X's and O's coaches in college basketball. I don't say, I disagree. I mean, I don't know if I say he's the best, but I think he does, like you said, gets a bad rap because of the, you know, the what happened. Sucking. <laughs> Fielding arguably the worst power conference team of all time. Until I, we came along. I, he's like trying to soften the blow by Sucking. I mean, like I'm like, what like what's a nice way of saying we did in Pittsburgh? Um, um, under cha- sucking. He was terrible. <laughs> he was. Those teams were the worst teams I've seen until we played last year. I was gonna say that that makes me wonder what we're gonna be saying in a few years. Yeah, about. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Do you think that like, r- real quick aside, I hate to say this, but like, I, I think you have to hope that last year's team gets remembered as this just total awful catastrophe and like we we hate that team forever because if not i feel like it, it will be one of those deals where it just gets chalked up to a larger the kenny Payne era was a failure like if we go out there and we win 10 or 11 games this year and he gets fired i don't think people will remember that individual season as much as they will just like kind of with kevin Stallings. like i don't remember which of the seasons were worse i know one year he lost all uh, 19 games that he played. He was only there conference. two years, wasn't he? Yeah, and he got yeah. fired. But you just kind of remember like the Kevin Stallings era being terrible. If we just don't remember 2022-23 as being like standing out for being worse, it means like we just have sucked for so long, and you, we just remember the Kenny Payne era as a colossal failure. So in a weird way, I hope that we always do remember 4-28, and 28, and it just doesn't get remembered as like, oh, yeah, that was the worst of the worst because I want to get back to being good soon. And I, I want Kenny Payne to be the coach who does it. Always remember us this way. <laughs> I don't want to be just a Kenny Pay memory. Those Boston College Nights. <laughs> Regional Sports Network. Uh, Tuesday tips at nine. Gonna make me cry. <laughs> Never talking to the press. Um. <laughs> Your late night CD one day of our songs. Texas, says, who is more likely to get named to the this coach's list that you were reading, Kenny Payne or Mark Lieberman? <laughs> the best Texas coach I've ever faced. Well, neither were on. I mean, if you heard uh, Seth talking to, during the TBT game on Wednesday, Kenny Payne's, you know, 
He's on his way up there with Rick Pitino. Well, we're already doing that thing that happened. Like, remember every regional broadcast? Oh, good year? Lord. He's going to turn it around, Corey Alexander. He's and... great. You don't know ball if you don't accept <laughs> his 35-point <laughs> loss to Syracuse. I got just afraid he's not going to interview you, you do an interview for you, because he's not going to do it either way. In all seriousness, the one person who said something like that that I do put a lot of stock in, because he seemed genuine about it, was when Jay Wright did the UK game. And he talked about, he's like, he went to practice the day before. And he was like, They've got a good plan of attack. Like they, that was one where I was like, okay, that makes me feel a little bit more confident about the future. He was speaking highly of Kenny Payne, and it didn't come off as just the, the standard, I'm an announcer, I'm going to take up for the coach yeah. and talk to me before the game. He was saying, like, you know, I saw their game plan. It looked like he knew what he was talking about. It looked like the right thing to do. They're just not good enough to execute it. Like That was one where I'm like, okay. That made me feel, I mean, don't get me wrong, I was not feeling good about anything as we're getting blasted by UK, but I felt, I felt a little bit better about the future when he said that. I, I, this leads me back to the thing that I worry that he knows what he's how to do it. He's just not really good at teaching someone how to do and it. And there could be something to do, to do with yeah. that. Like, there are lots of people who know basketball really well but who just, would, would not be great coaches or who aren't great coaches because they can't effectively communicate that knowledge yeah. or inspire their players to you know act out the game plan and Hopefully that's not the case here, but maybe it is. Although at least, like, you know, we hear so little and we see so little. Just having somebody who clearly knows what they're doing in Jay Wright saying, like, he knows what he's doing, that, like, I need more of that to put me at ease because I, I want this to work. When you're coming off a four-win season and the few statements you've made since then, I mean, do you really want more? I mean, we're going to get more, I guess, at some point, but, I mean, yeah. like, be careful what you wish for. Yeah, I mean, Maybe. Because if he comes out and talks, it's just, it could just lead you to be, be make you more angry. Which is that's the catch twenty two we're dealing with. Yeah. Well, again, he's talking to the media tomorrow at noon, so <laughs> we'll see. It's like. I wonder if he gets just defensive over a question again. I mean, it's it's, it's whatever he says, it's going to wind up being debated and hotly talked about on the text line tomorrow. And oh, I'm sure. On. Yeah. I mean, we'll get to three thirty, and I'll be like, I didn't care for this, and it's like, well. <laughs> what time is the press conference? Noon. Okay. So, yeah, it won't affect the show. We'll, we'll hear it. We'll have it to play as well. We'll, we'll play it as well. Texas, uh, I think TK is representing, uh, I don't think this is second Texas. For example, in the movie Hook, when Toodles, the former lost boy who did indeed lose his, physic- his physically owned marbles only prior to leaving Neverland, he was close friends with Thud Bud. Toodles is also Wendy's first orphan. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah, he lost his, mar- he lost lost his marbles. Yeah, he lost his marbles. He legitimate, literally lost his marbles. Texas says, and I think they're doing this just because they want you to get mad. Should all levels of basketball adopt the Elam ending? I say yes. It's very exciting. No. In fact, it shouldn't be allowed anywhere in the sport of basketball. <laughs> they should be prosecuted. It should be, should be, it should be, yeah. Anybody that does it should be, should be prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Like, that's like, it's like taping an MLB game and re, 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 edit, re, replaying it without the consent of the MLB. Can't do that. Can't do that. No family guy when they shoot up his VCR. Yeah. I only have NF- uh, NBC. Only NBC. <laughs> <laughs> I used to get, when I was a kid and I would record games, I always thought that was like I was breaking the law when I was a kid doing exactly that. Exactly, you were. Because, I mean, I'm, but you're not like just redistributing the, the broadcast is the, the law, but. Right. Like just recording, because I used to record basketball games all the time like, and just rewatch them constantly. Same. Which is, I mean, I still, I mean, I still watch throwback games all the time now, but. My parents still, have, I think, have like. 75 oh, college God. basketball games on VHS somewhere. I think one of the last times I moved, I found a box of taste. I was with my buddy Say, and he was, he was, he actually was over the moon because one of them was like the uh, Florida, Florida, uh, the Florida Nebraska game from 96. Oh, yeah. 
the Tommy Frazier game. He was Why just like, want to rewatch that? Oh, I, I did because I, I, I didn't say I like Nebraska. I like Tommy Frazier. He was them. exciting to hell like, to watch. I was like, I like Tommy Frazier, and I hated the, the Florida team because going into the game, my uncle, I remember my uncle being like, Florida's just going to destroy them, the SEC, SEC, and I'm like, whatever, 20 bucks, Nebraska wins. He's like, you got it. Like, I didn't like Sprayer back then. I like I him just, now. but it, back, I like, back yeah, then. It's, when I was younger in middle school and high school, Trevor did not like him. I was not a fan. I didn't like the run to score stuff. No. And then now I got older. I'm like, yeah, he's funny. The, no, the now, yeah. against the UK were always great. Oh, yeah. Or you can't spell stitchers that UT. Very funny. I mean, when, when, you, when you downplay your own victory because they lost to UK, though. That was I mean, the greatest you can't get much free shoes university. I mean, come on. They're all great. I thought we really did something when we beat South Carolina <laughs> and Kentucky. That was Clemson. Clemson, you're right. It was Clemson. But how, how big can it be they lost to Kentucky? Kentucky did it. <laughs> Texas says with ESPN laying off talent left and right and seemingly being unwilling to pay the SEC more money for a nine-game schedule – I'm not so sure the Big 12 will be able to negotiate for much more money when their next TV deal comes up. It seems like the TV bubble may have finally burst. Maybe. I mean, we've been saying that for a long time. But it's – I don't know how related ESPN laying off talent is to the amount of money it's willing to shell out for a TV deal. But you, I don't you think may be it is. I mean, I, they, they've, been, they've laid off people. They've been doing it for years. I mean – it's just the natural order of things. You you get to a certain level of pay at, at ESPN. They fire you to bring in fresh interns until they get to that level of pay, and they fire them and bring in fresh interns. And well, you'd think they'd have a little bit extra money now, too, getting rid of the Big Ten's deal. Yeah, but that, that goes to the CEO. Yeah, they weren't going to pay the Big Ten a billion dollars, and so now they get rid of the you – know, they have got they should have more money to spend now because they don't have that Big Ten contract, which even before it was a billion dollars was insanely hefty. So, I mean – they should have more to renegotiate their deal with the ACC. The Big 12, yeah, I mean, I'm curious to see what they get when they go into renegotiation and who they'll work with. Uh, I mean, college sports in general could be in a totally different place in three years when, they, when, they, when that happens. Yeah, that's true, actually. Texture says, since geography is meaningless in conference realignment, the ACC should add both Arizona schools. It wouldn't help football, but it would make it a better basketball conference. Plus, Arizona can end the West Coast national title drought. Now they're in a real conference of champions. I mean, first of all, you're adding Jed Fish to so football, right? I mean, Arizona isn't saying horrible football. They're not. They wouldn't add. I mean, they'd fit in perfectly with what the ACC's football face is, kind of. I mean, Arizona I mean. State would be right there in the middle yeah. of that conference. Like you know, they have like NC State seasons. I feel like they're right in that. That's, yeah, they're in that kind of middle area, middle. I mean, middle of the pack where it, it, they're not alone. It's where majority of schools are. Arizona typically sucks. Uh yeah, they haven't been Every good now in a while. They have a, a year where they're. You had that, that 90s run of the Desert Storm teams and stuff with Teddy Bruschi. Huh? It's been a long time. I know. Well, you're right. It has been. It's been a long time for Arizona State, too. Texas, what do you want to see the, Rays, the Reds do trade-wise? Uh, I thought I the mean, trade deadline was over. No. Oh. Trade deadline's never over. Well, I mean, okay, I'm, you're, you're not lying about that. I thought the official deadline was over, though, right? Or not? The deadline, it's not It's not over yet. It's, okay. I thought, it was, I thought it ended on Tuesday. I could be wrong. I thought it was... Because I thought last night was kind of a late trade with the, the uh, I think it's August first. The White Sox and the um, it's it's August first. So okay, so we do have a few days. Sorry. Yeah, Giolito is off the market now. He was one of the, the Lopez. The, he was one of the arms that people thought could potentially wind up going to the Reds. I mean, I they only give up they give up two decent prospects, but I mean, I think they got the better end of that trade. Ty Bush, I know, is a, is a high prospect. I'd like to see the Reds. I mean, if you're asking me, would I ship India? And somebody else, a prospect for 
a reliable young starting arm, I would. But Gig, the, the guy they got, some, he's not that young. The Washington, he was, he's been around a while. What are you talking about? The, the, oh, I thought you were being in reference no, to what, okay. what the Reds should do. Okay. Because you know, now that the, the report came out a couple of days ago that the Reds were willing to deal India, and they've, yeah, I saw that. they've tried to walk it back a little bit. And to India's credit, after the game last night, he talked about you know, he's been Mr. Red. He want, he's like, I, I, clearly I want to be here. I've told him that I want to be here. But I also get that it's a business, and they've already got McLean and De La Cruz and Steer, who are all infielders. You still got like Cam Caller, the rookie, the the is it Victor something, the the shortstop and the prospects. They got a bunch of prospects. Oscada, I think his name is. Marte is still down there. He's raking for the bat. Yeah, I mean, I'm, and the guys I mentioned are like Double A and Single A, but they're like eighteen, nineteen year old prospects. So I can see them. If it were up to me, I would deal India if you can get enough of a return. If you can get like a. Like, like the hypothetical we had with my friends last night was like, would you deal India and in, in a prospect for Marcus Stroman from the Cubs? And I said, yes, absolutely. Stroman's thirty-one. I mean, yeah, I would. I mean, he's got I think three, four more years where he should be pretty good. He just had the injuries with at the end of his Toronto days. And keep if it doesn't work out this, if he only helps you for this year, obviously that's not best case scenario. But you've got so much young pitching, and Ashcraft has gotten really good. Abbott looks way better than anybody thought. Lodolo and, and Hunter Green, when they get healthy, you'd assume that they're going to get back into to form. We've seen Hunter Green be in decent form. Lodolo can, I think, be very, very good. Like you've got four reli- really reliable, really young starters moving. Not forward. including what you have in your in your farm system. You've got the kid that you got from Minnesota, the former first round pick, Chase Petty, down there, and Brett Louder, who they just drafted yeah. uh, seven overall from Wake Forest. Like they should be set up for the future. But if you're trying to make a run now, I feel like you need a reliable starting arm. To, to help you out. Well, especially with no and green, right? Really. You've got too many bodies in the infield. I mean, you're, you're resting yeah, a you really do. good bat every single game, it seems like. And that's a, it's a great problem to have. But, you, I mean, like Steer, I don't think you can take him out of the lineup. He's really good. Um, Encarnacion Strand's in a little bit of a slump, but he can't take him out. Ellie can't hit right now at all. But yeah, but he's also just got called up. He's only 25 years old. Yeah, I mean, I guess India's still young, too, though. He's his third year. He was rookie of the year two years ago. Yeah, he was out of Florida, so he's, he's 25, I think, right? 26, right. maybe? I, I would – I would if, if it comes – again, I'm not giving him up for nothing, but if you can get a reliable pitcher who's out there, starting pitcher who's relatively young, I would deal India. Texas I mean, if you're says, looking for Stroman at 31, then yeah, the guy that the Angels has got – like, was that a real text from No Sand uh, Sandegard, by the way? What do you mean? Did you not see the tweet? Apparently, he like tweeted out earlier days like, "Bleep, I'd rather be an angel." LOL. Nice. And like, and then like the timestamp shows it about four hours before he actually got traded. And then when he got traded, of course, he deleted it right away. Like <laughs> he gets sent to Cleveland, but probably Dodger fans clearly were not disappointed. I did not see it. The text line says that the Pirates traded Santana to the Brewers. I did not see that. I guess that happened during the show. That's not. I don't like that. Santana, Carlos Santana. I didn't know he was still active with them. He's yeah. He, I mean, like he's the a, Brewers. I, I mean the Pirates. I didn't think of Mitch Keller. Slam Tana. He's still he's still around. Oh, you're talking about they're not pitcher. The the first baseman. First baseman. Okay, I don't know why I was thinking pitcher. Uh, that's yeah. I don't don't care for that. I think intercom interdivision <laughs> trading is so weird. I've never been a fan of interdivision trading. And that's the other thing is you look at the the, the sellers. I don't right get now, why teams do it. So many of the uh, of the teams that have the biggest payrolls, or so many of the teams that are out of the playoffs definitively, have huge payrolls and don't want to be sellers. And some of the ones that maybe would be sellers are in your own division. So like the Cubs and Cardinals, they're not going to give us young, great pitching that could help us for years to come. You didn't think the Pirates would help the Brewers out, but they just did. I don't, it's it's a weird thing. 
Texas says Blake Snell and Hayter Reynolds from the Padres sound like a good trade partner. I would, I'd be on board for that if you can make that happen. But I don't think that you can. Who's the second one? Uh, Hayter. Oh yeah, I'm, I think I don't think they'd move Hater though. I don't think they will. Plus, they're they're so desperate for pitching. I don't think they'd be selling a pitcher. They'd be more likely trying to buy one themselves. Texas Trevor, please tell me the one nine hundred number you called was from the pick up the phone commercials. I remember that. <laughs> pick up the phone. <laughs> it might have been. I honestly I don't remember. It could have been in the back from a magazine. They were in magazines too. I don't remember. <laughs> Do you still? I still will occasionally see a pick up the phone nine hundred number commercial today. Dude. I can't imagine anyone calling notice, it now. But every now and then, like I'll fall asleep with Comedy Central on or something, and I'll yeah. wake up at five a.m. and it'll be those commercials on. I just got caught in a, a loop of watching it was it was Seinfeld on Comedy Central last night, like one in the morning, and I had I was was watching I watched three episodes. It was the Soup Nazi and the Blind Date, the Morgan, the 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 call. I just look. I just make myself look angry at work. People think I'm busy. <laughs> Texas, the best Spurrierism was when the announcer said, Hey, Steve, can you tell me about that performance today over that Kentucky team? And Spurrier said, Kentucky? Awkward pause. Well, they got one hell of a kicker. Yeah, it was, a, it a, was a punter, yeah, I think. He was a punter, yeah. punter, yeah. I'll never forget that they had a punter named Jimmy Carter. <laughs> and I just remember my uncle just really just hammered one. This was early 90s. UK was getting beat by somebody by 50. And God love my Uncle Bill was just drunk and was just ranting. It was like, well... Our punter's good. He's out there every other play. He's got a leg like a freaking telephone pole. <laughs> I was like, who's your punter? He's like, Jimmy freaking Peanut Carter. <laughs> I just go in. I'm just like, I don't care how bad UK sucks. Oh. Uncle Bill drunk when UK sucks. Nothing was better as a child. Nothing. About, I'll take it all. The best, <laughs> for my money, the best video on YouTube right now is, it, I, I hope it's still out there. I, I see years ago, it's like, Angry UK fan. I don't know if you can find it that, but like this guy recorded his dad during every UK game and like spliced together his most angry. <laughs> Keep in mind, this is like a really good UK team. It's it's like one of the teams during the, the Cal era where they were fantastic. It may have been like the De'Aaron Fox team in. That's a basketball one, okay. And he's just like every game. He's like that damn Fox. He's like oh, he's like hey Cal won't adjust. They like this is the most angry dad of all time. It's a great great video. At least mine happened when the UK side. It was still it was still like he's running the option with Tim Couch. Right, we got to get out of here in just a second here, but a reminder, TBT tonight, 8 o'clock is the tip-off. Watch ESPN. Once again, has the broadcast or ESPN+. Plus. We've also got, uh, I think, Fubo TV. I think if you have the Fubo, the free trial, you will be able to watch it there. Fubo, buy us. You can also <laughs> listen to the game live on 93.9 The Ville or our sister station, 970 WGTK. So, TK, tonight, The Ville. The Jackson, Tennessee underdogs. Louisville is, according to the people who make the lines for this thing, a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Do they get it done and march on to Saturday's Sweet 16 game? What say you? Quick quick question real quick. Who would we play the winner of? Do we know? I don't know. We don't know. Okay, I'm just, I'm just wondering. Um, yes, Louisville will cover. I wonder if I can bet that on DraftKings. A buddy of mine just bet them to win on his live. I'm going to check, yeah. Day. I'm doing that. So I'm apparently working the bats game tonight. Sorry. It's all right. I'm, I'm, no problem. I just ordered some Zaxby's. Uh, and should be here in a second. And uh, so I'll be watching the game on my phone probably at about 8 o'clock. Uh, but Louisville will cover. They'll, they'll cover the four and a half. They will advance. Um, you take Johnny Cash and June Carter all you want and go down to Jackson because it ain't going to be successful today. Yeah, I think Louisville wins and covers. Um, I was I sold it short last game, so they win by seven. They win by ten tonight. You stopped short? I sold it short. Oh. 
Uh, we do have Louisville Bats baseball coverage coming your way now. 6.05 coverage will start. 6.35 is the first pitch. The bounce Bats back on that Indians uh, loss from yesterday. Looking to bounce back against Indianapolis here. Th- Nick Kern and company will take it away after we get out of here. No, so. just Nick Kern. And no, not, no company? No company. On the road, he does it solo. Not, well, you'll be here. He's a one-man show. Nick Kern and Trevor Kelsey. He's just doing the one-man monologue. All right. Everybody enjoy Bats baseball. Go Louisville. Go the Ville. Go TBT. Go Cards. We'll see you guys tomorrow at 3. Go get me some Zaxby's. Go Cards. She's a little runaway. Daddy's girl.